Hello, everyone, and thank you for being here. Uh, we are doing a, a wrap on 2021 in film, and goddamn, what a year it was. It feels like a repeat of 2019. It's just like Christmas all year long for me. Mm-hmm. Very good year. <laughs> I am joined by uh, our regular hosts, Jesse. Uh, hello. Hope is here. Hey! And Josh Dysart has decided to jump on this one and regale us with some of his favorites of the year as well. <laughs> regale. Yeah. Yay! Yeah. Aw, <laughs> thanks, everybody. Um, actually, I lied at the top. This is not the best of 2021. This is our favorites yes. of 2021. Just Excellent so there's no argument online later. Yeah. We only have so much time to see so many movies. And what does <laughs> right. best mean anyway? Like, uh, yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. For for subjective art, let's just talk about our favorites. Yes, yes. Um, well, I'll, I'll go ahead and and launch us off uh, for for this episode, and then we'll um, I'll just kind of throw to each of you as as we list our movies. Um, if you want to go into a little bit of detail about why you liked it a lot, if you want to mention any of the cast and crew, the stuff that impressed you, that kind of thing, uh, I think that would be super fun. What do you guys think? Hit it I'm down. down. Awesome. Well, let's start with, um, shockingly, I have a bunch of Netflix movies on my <laughs> list this year, which is odd for me and odd for Netflix, I would say. Um, but I'll, I'll start us off. I care a lot um, about you guys, but also that's the title of the film. <laughs> um, this is, have, have any of you guys seen it? I did see it. I could have swore that was last year, though, but I did see I care a lot. It, it may have been, but I saw it this year, so it counts for this year for me. Rock on. <laughs> <laughs> You're making um, it count. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yes. So, so this is a uh, a movie about a uh, a character that takes advantage of the uh, nursing home system and you know late life uh, processes for people, and it turns into this crazy kind of Jeremy Saulnier style crime film. Uh, and oddly enough, uh, Macon Blair shows up in the beginning and end of it too, just to to bring that home for it. It it was not what I was expecting it to be, and up and until literally the last minute of the movie, I wasn't sure if I liked it. But they brought it home in a way that impressed me so much that it had to hit my list. Nice. Hmm. What did you think of it, Josh? I did not care for it. Really? Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, um, it's ugly. It's it's about really ugly people, right? Oh, but that's the only thing that's good about it. I I think that uh uh I don't know. You know, it's like this. It's been a while since I saw it. I feel like um, so I have to think about it. It's a bit of a surprise for me to hear it on the list. But I, th mm. it's like a modern neo noir. It's got it's got all this stuff that I really love. The top, the like tough talking. You know what I'm in your face. Uh, immoral protagonist, which was really nice. Uh, I thought it was a great performance. Um, mm. And it's nice to have that be a woman. It's nice to have this sort of, it's like a lesbian mashup of Fred McMurray and Barbara Stanwyck from Double Indemnity. Yeah. I love all yeah. that. I love all that stuff. Like I'm a huge, huge noir fan, even though the disaffected nature of noir sometimes makes me really laugh at it a lot. Um, so, gosh, I'm trying to remember why I just kind of walked away from it not feeling... I don't know. I just, it just didn't, I wish I had something more substantive to say. I'm taking, you know, as I said, I'm taking a little bit by surprise that it's on the list, but um, <laughs> I just didn't, I just didn't, uh, it didn't 
it didn't sing for me. I think I just felt lately I've I've expected more from from noir narratives and crime oh, narratives, and I, I just sure. didn't. Yeah, it just didn't. It didn't it didn't do it for me, and I wish I had more to say. Yeah, I understand. No, totally, and and I, I think the big reason that it worked so well for me is just that I was trying to. I was trying to like figure it out and f- and figure out where it was going to end up. And this is from a director that I have not enjoyed generally. So I was kind of surprised that I ended up liking it so much at the end. But it it made my list just just for the performances and I and I think that it you know um was a was a huge part of me being so blown away by it. But uh, you know, we we can start on a stinker. Uh, I think that, that well, it's you know, it's all relative. I mean, I think that I would have liked to have seen um, now it's coming back to me. Uh, I think I would have liked to have seen Diane Weiss's character um, have a lot more cool stuff to do. I would have liked oh, to sure. seen the whole thing dialed up to 11. I think that's really my issue is that it just kind of feels a little bit undercooked, a little bit banal for me personally. Um, uh, but yeah. I, hate, I hate to disagree. So I'm here to no, have, totally. have my and opinion a, changed. <laughs> and it was a teeny tiny budget too. I think it was like just just over a million dollars to make this movie, which awesome. like, you know, I love that. Yeah, if you, if you throw them 10 mil, maybe they could have taken it to 11. Who knows? But <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> well, let's uh, let's pivot over to Hope then. Hope, what's first on your list? So first on my list um, is going to be Nomadland. Ooh. So that movie really spoke to me. It, it was a weird... Well, first off, uh, Chloe Zhao mm-hmm. wrote and directed it, and she's been getting a lot of like credit nowadays because she did Eternals. Um <laughs> But so it's a we so Nomad Land is like a weird meshup between yes, it is a movie with script, but it also has real life people and their real life lives. Yeah. About how they truly are these nomadic people who just like bounce from here to here to here. Um, but the main character is Frances McDormand and she does a beautiful job at her role. Yeah. Um I just I fell in love with it. She was the only like like professional actor in that too, or am I mistaken in that? Uh, there was one other, the uh, David Strathairn, uh, her like sort of faux love interest or whatever. Interesting. Um, but- Who has perennially become like the middle class, middle aged woman's love interest uh, through the last <laughs> through his career in all those John Sayles <laughs> movies? And everything. It's always his role. It's really interesting. Okay, I'm sorry to interrupt. Go ahead. No, no, no. It's funny. So, but like they, they're the only two like real actors, I guess you should say, in this. And even at the end, um, I teared up a little bit because like one of the the nomads they did like build a relationship with she ended up passing and like they did like a little dedication to her at the end and oh wow I don't, um it was just such a great film it's such an interesting idea and the fact that they did combine like faux documentary with like film film so it was it was a beautiful clash it was a beautiful uh, i i cannot rave about this it's on hulu so it's like easy access to watch so um yeah. But yeah, I when I watched it, I was like blown away. I really was. I saw the, I saw it. Yeah, I saw Nomadland. Yeah, yeah. Love I, it. I I don't want to. You know, I'm starting to feel. Uh, I'm starting to feel really mean and and bad. <laughs> I don't want to be this. <laughs> I don't want to be a dick. I, I'm. You know, I thought I love her previous film, The Writer. I don't know if you mm. got to see that. Hope have you seen The Writer? 
No, I haven't. Oh. It's, it's one of those that's on my list, though. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I really love that movie. That was my favorite film of that year. So um, maybe it's really possible that I went into this expecting something a little bit more. Um, but I, I don't know. It's, for me, it felt a little bit disingenuous to have this like millionaire actress playing a, a character who listens to all these lower-income non-actors discuss their lives, and I didn't really understand why we were fictionalizing something and um hmm. and and in the choice you know the choice the main characters i also read the book by the way that this is based on which is a non-fiction book um the the choice to be nomadic that the protagonist makes is is a really interesting thing to film in a time when more americans are actually forced into uh, nomad lifestyles right now yeah. than have been um, in, you know, in a very, like actually since the Great Depression. We have more homeless across the United States than, than since the Great Depression. So I I think that's an interesting choice, but there is a really authentic, tragic American story that I felt like the movie was not about and it seemed to, and that's probably not what they were going for and I don't mean to impose my own like you know, you know, whatever agenda on it. But, no, and um, I totally get what you're saying, but yeah. I, like I know the the parts where they were truly interacting with the true nomads definitely got me more than like her love interest, her backstory, mm-hmm. whatever. Right? Uh, yeah. Like when they actually did, because like she did go to these, like the Amazon warehouse with the actual workers. She did go yes, to these yes, parks yes. with the actual workers and things. So like. I those are the parts that I really it's when the people were truly people that's what that's what mm-hmm. I loved like yeah, yeah she yeah. she did a great role but she was just a plot point to get from A to B and everything else in the middle was what pushed the movie though for me yeah yeah I, I think it's really beautifully photographed I love that like post Terrence Malick like take on nature yeah um, mm-hmm. and all, you know that and and she has that sort of in that's very much in the dna of the way she makes her movies which is always you know uh, really impacts me deeply um yeah i just think i i was i kind of walked away being like why isn't this a documentary like why am i watching this like actress yeah yeah but but yeah but i i hear you yeah very interesting yeah uh jesse how about you uh come in with your first pick uh, should I start with my top favorite or my bottom favorite or what? You <laughs> go in whatever order you want. Just call them off as you as you see them. <laughs> uh, I think I'm gonna start out with my well, with my favorite movie of the year, which was Pig. <laughs> uh, I really yeah. love Pig. Uh, God, that movie is heartbreaking. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, Nicolas Cage. He can. He is a good actor when he has the right material. You know, and this is made it feels like it was tailor made for him mm. in some ways um it's a film about uh uh regret uh uh what the hell am i looking for uh guilt um mm. just depression <laughs> you know it's it it spoke to me on a personal level <laughs> so um and that the ending of the movie is possibly one of the biggest kick in the dick i think i experienced all year besides midnight mass mm. um yeah it was it, it's expertly photographed i think wasn't this this director's first film as well yeah yeah this mm-hmm. was his, his very that's, first feature that's impressive you know that's it's great looking great music uh fantastic acting maybe it sags a little bit in the middle but other than that i have nothing to complain about yeah it's yeah. one of my favorites 
my complaint is the way that people were talking about it uh, because it uh, marketing it as John Wick with a pig. Yeah, and it was like I mean, yeah, no. if John Wick did it, talk yeah. no jutsu or something like that, you know what I mean? He like talks his way uh, out of and into situations. It is, I mean, besides the little bit in the middle, not a violent movie. No, no, it's <laughs> it's people standing in rooms talking. <laughs> so. Yep. Uh, Josh, you had mentioned you have some some thoughts on Pig if it came up. I feel like a total dick on this podcast so far. <laughs> <laughs> I feel the tide awful. will change. The tide will change and eventually. You just I said promise. you wanted to have a new spiritual awakening. I know. <laughs> That's what I was laughing about. Was like for those of, before we started recording, I was on this whole trip about how you know if you don't love a thing, it's it's your fault. It's not the movie's fault, which I still believe <laughs> is true. But, you know, Pig has the kind of the same issues. I agree, actually, with everything that Jesse said, and I still didn't like it. I think that um, it, it's the same thing with I Care A Lot, though I did enjoy Pig a little bit more. It, it, mm. It's it's noir. There's something about noir that I both love, but then, like, really, really grates me wrong when it's, when it's, when it's, uh, put in service to something that you know that doesn't speak speak to me. Obviously, loss speaks to me. I kind of feel like this is such a horrible thing to say. I love you so much, Jesse. I kind of feel like this is about loss in the same way that like Harry Potter is about life at boarding school. You know what I mean? It's not a real thing. He's like yeah. he's like the nameless chef who comes out of the forest and he remembers every meal he's ever had and there's like waiter fight clubs beneath and all that is really <laughs> fun and I laughed a lot at this movie. The only thing is is I'm not entirely sure I was supposed to be laughing at it, but I laughed the whole time I watched this because I found it really absurd and self-serious to a point that I thought bordered on satire. Now, I will say, again, it's like the No Man Land thing. And I swear to God, I'm going to start liking things soon, everybody who's listening. <laughs> but, like, um, uh, you know, 800 million people a day eat, eat less than a bowl of rice in the world, right? And so I have a real low – and as Jesse knows and Seth knows, I've done – I did some work with the World Food Program, and I, I've, I've been in East Africa during a major famine. And, and so I have, I have a very – very hot uh i'm sorry low tolerance for foodie culture and so you you know i can't really take it like if i see people photographing their food in restaurants and stuff i and i know that culture is relative and i shouldn't be so up my own ass about this stuff but but um uh so so when i saw this movie kind of like lean into foodie culture i was excited to see it take a real piss on foodie culture <laughs> but and it kind of does but in the end yeah it's it, it doesn't quite get there for me i did think the pig was awfully cute i'm bummed out it was only in a few <laughs> scenes i really i think you could have probably turned this movie around for me if there would was way more pig in it but otherwise more pig more, <laughs> more pig. <laughs> i hope i i really hope to like something soon Mm. Well, it is your turn to present, so right. hopefully you like your yeah, own movie. <laughs> what if I don't, though? What if I just talk that shit about it? would be my... perfect, honestly. No, just no, stay I, on track. I can't do it. Um, well, so this is a really tough mission that you get, that we are all given here, which is just mm-hmm. to pick five movies, because like you said, it, there was a lot of great movies. Oh, I, like, I went up to six on mine, because I said, screw it, I need to. Oh, <laughs> you cheater. <laughs> oh, well, that changes everything. I, oh, boy. <laughs> I think the first thing... Thing I'm going to bring up and look uh, full disclosure it's a friends movie right so I'm going to start at my you know 
at, you know, whatever, at number six, I guess, in this case, and then work down to what I felt was, for me, was the best film of the year. But I mm. do want to talk about, and we don't have to talk about it at length, but um, Morgan Galen King made an animated film. It just came out this year. I saw it a couple of years ago when he was still working on it called The Spine of Night. It's a rotoscope, psychedelic, hardcore fantasy film. If you uh, love animation, if you... Um, if you think that the old heavy metal movie, uh, despite how really dated, uh, both kind of like philosophically and ethically it is, um, but you just kind of love the idea of hardcore, interesting fantasy animation, Spine of Night is your bag. It's got a great cast. It's got like Richard Grant is in it, Lucy Lawless, Patton Oswalt. It's a film that some dudes spent years making, started off in their basement, started getting funding. It's incredible. You can watch it on YouTube and Vudu and Amazon. You can just get high and watch psychedelic fantasy animation. How um, did this slip my radar? This is like right up my alley. I was about Dude. to say, I'm looking at it right now and it looks f- like again with Seth why haven't I seen this yes 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 I'm finally on this podcast for a reason <laughs> I, I, justi- I justified my existence here uh I I really love it if if you know anyone listening to this if it sounds like your bag check it out man I mean bear in mind it started off from very humble beginnings and I'm extremely excited to see what Morgan Galen King does next uh but I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna use that as my my first slot to talk about None Love of the it. other movies are made by my friends, so that's going to be the only. But I, but I honestly think this deserves more attention than it got, even even if I didn't know the director. So yeah, oh my god, I'm I'm watching the trailer while you're while you're talking, and this is amazing. Yeah, that, <laughs> yeah that's like nice. I'm I'm watching this after the podcast. Assuming awesome. that your next <laughs> assuming your next five don't blow me away equally, <laughs> right? <laughs> Might be a long night. Nice. Well, yeah, yeah, that's me. All right. Well, um, let me let me jump into my next one. Uh, I'll also go animated. Um, Mitchell's versus the machines. Uh, this is a Lord and Miller uh, joint about Apple. Basically, um, <laughs> they're taking a giant shit on Apple, and it's awesome. It, it's so it's about this this family that uh, gets stuck in a Apple caused apocalypse when their their home help robots uh, kind of turn evil. The AI becomes sentient, so it's a little bit Terminator. Um, the The voice cast is excellent. They're having a great time. But the, the heart of the story is about uh, dads and daughters, and they never lose sight of that. It, it Like, the through line of the film is so, like, perfectly tied to the relationship between this incredible daughter and this incredible dad and and how they've lost communication with each other. Um, and, and it becomes a road movie. And, like I said, it shits on Apple, so obviously I'm having a great time with it. Um, <laughs> and the, the best part about it is the animation style. So it, this is, like... It's 3D animated Pixar style stuff, but they kind of Scott Pilgrimed it and dropped a bunch of 2D animation to oh, cool. represent this girl's imagination into the film. And uh, like the first five minutes, I was on board, and it and it tracks perfectly through the end. Um, the it, it, the reason to watch it, if if you need a reason, there is a giant Furby in it. Nice. Okay. And the scene that that Furby appears in is one of my favorite animated scenes of all time. It it takes 
all these lessons from like old claymation animation to keep the oh, awesome to keep the action rolling forward. The, the, you, you it feels like a roller coaster ride at points. The movie just clips along and keeps you rolling with it. Um, I was blown away. My favorite animated movie of the year by far. D- did any of you guys catch it? I did no, not I see am, it. I've heard, yeah, I've <laughs> yeah, heard and, wonderful and, things about it, but yeah, and and like you know, Pixar is kind of my bag. I do, I do really love animated films in 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 this genre. So yeah, that was that, that's my my next pick. I I really really loved it. Uh, me and a couple of the guys on the Discord were going back and forth about it when it first came out, and just kind of affirmed like, yeah, this is really killer. Like this is their follow up to Into the Spider Verse, and mm-hmm. h- hell yeah, I I was here for it. Yeah, awesome. Hope you next. So, again, I'm not going in any particular order with my films. I'm just kind of throwing it out there. Um, So my next pick would have to be something I actually just watched recently. Um, I am the horror whore of the group. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) So I absolutely, a thousand percent fell in love with Black Friday. Ooh. Oh, cool. Oh, yeah. I... (laughs) cannot rave about this movie enough um because it does a ton of practical effects nice it's it does actually kind of go like deep into some things like um divorce and loss and you know midlife crises and you know the reasons why these you know some people are stuck at dead end jobs and it like it kind of makes it relevant. Um, but also, you can't go wrong with Bruce Campbell. I'm sorry. You can't. <laughs> nice. um, <laughs> you just can't. Uh, and then Devin Sawa, like, he's doing great things nowadays, too. He's getting back into the horror scene, which I love. Um, he was so funny in Idle Hands. I love him. Oh, God. Yeah. Um, just, it. The, the film is great. There's a ton of comedic moments. There is, like I said, the practical effects were phenomenal. Loved it. Uh, they didn't really use too much CGI until probably the very end, which I applaud awesome. them for. Yeah. Um, and that's, it's, you can see why they used it at the end. It, there's no way around it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, um, yeah, I just, I, I, it's a, it's a zombie movie about Black Friday and it's kind of just like, you feel bad for the workers, but it's also like, if you ever worked retail, you're like, fuck yeah, screw you <laughs> fucking customers. You deserve what you got. That, that um, catharsis. <laughs> and that's how I felt working in retail and working those Black Fridays. So I'm just like, you know what? Fuck those guys. They deserved it. It's, you know, nice. so. Um, I, I What's that I movie just, with Ryan Reynolds where he's working at a restaurant? What is it? Waiting? Waiting. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of that. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Uh, waiting waiting yeah. has not aged well, but uh, I, I, <laughs> no. I liked it at the time. <laughs> right. Uh, but yeah, I, I just, again, I, I am always going to be biased for my horror films, but this one, I was pleasantly surprised how good it was. I, I went in thinking it was going to be middle of the road. And I'm like, nope, it's one of my favorites now. I, so I'm looking at it on Wikipedia. Uh, Patrick Stump did the music, and that yep. is the lead singer of Fall Out Boy. Nice. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yep, he did. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. 
It's cute. Awesome. I think Bruce Campbell is kind of playing an extension of his Ash character from Evil Dead. Yeah, 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 yeah. a little bit, but he kind yeah. of. I mean, I, when yeah. does he not? You know, I mean, I love Bruce Campbell. You're not going to hear a bad thing, but when does he not? So you know, right. I mean, like, uh, Bubba Hotep. Yeah. Oh, yeah, of course, because he's playing Elvis, right? But he has a template for a character. <laughs> but I love him. I love him. I'm not going to disparage. Yeah, right. you're absolutely right. I'm not going to disparage the man. I, the man is a saint, as far as I'm concerned. True. Uh, Jesse, how about you? What you got next? Uh, next for me is uh, Zola, which you and I mm. saw in theaters, Seth. Yes, we did. This is... Uh... <laughs> I'm kind of curious what Josh's opinion is of this one. I haven't Very- seen it. I hear wonderful things about oh, it. Oh, it's so good. It's um it, oh it's it's one of the it reminds me a lot of a Sean Baker movie and there's another one of his movies oh. on my list too. Mm-hmm. Um it's it's about the uh, sort of decline of capitalism in America or just like the evils of capitalism in America and just the repulsive underbelly, the underground economy. And it's done in a weird, twisted, almost like pop entertainment punk rock style. It's hard to explain. Cool. It's it's, it's like Harmony Corinne doing MTV almost. Yes. Nice. Yes. Awesome. <laughs> it's yes. it's like you're selling this directly to me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> very it, comparable to Spring Breakers, I think. It, it's oh, very awesome. Yeah, yeah. It's it's very atypical. It's a little lopsided in a good way. Like the movie, you never know where it's gonna go next at any mm-hmm. point. Yeah. It, it's got some of the best laughs of the year, but it's also absolutely terrifying at the very end. <laughs> oh my god, yeah. Jeez. Oh man. I had no idea where it was gonna go. And the um what was the actor that played the um um the pimp. What was the actor's name? Oh yeah, he's been in a bunch of stuff lately. Um, yeah, I actually just worked with him on a Netflix movie in DC. Uh, I can't remember oh, his name. Uh, it's uh, Coleman Domingo. That's it, Coleman Domingo. He's playing uh, Martin Luther King, I believe. Oh, is cool. he? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So uh, I think that uh, it's probably going to be one of my favorites for a while. It's it's up there with uh, a lot of Sean Baker's films like Tangerine. Reminds me mm. a lot of that. Yep. yep. Huge Sean yep. Baker fan, as you know, Jesse. Oh, I love, yes. love Sean Baker. I think he's one of the, him and Kelly Rickard are probably the, the two best humanists working in American cinema, I think, right mm. now. Mm-hmm. I agree. I agree. Yeah. So yeah, that's uh, that's my other, my other one for the year. Uh, Zola. Jesse, I, I still to this day cannot watch that movie without thinking about George Lucas's dick. Nice. <laughs> Do you remember that, Jesse? There is a guy in the movie that looks just like George Lucas. And he shows his dick? Yes. Yes. Just full full close-up of his schlong. It's yes. Oh, my goodness. Yes. Good for I George feel, Lucas. I feel like Lucas is just average. Not small, not large. <laughs> just a nice, you know. Yeah, yeah. A grower, not a shower. Totally. Yeah. Absolutely. What I didn't think we'd be talking about tonight, George Lucas's dick. I mean, <laughs> blame the man Seth. has more money than God. <laughs> yeah, more money than dick. True. <laughs> Reminds me of that that Plinkett uh, review of the Revenge of the was it Revenge of the Sith? I think of a tiny middle aged businessman. He's short. He's balding. He has a tiny penis. So he buys a red Lamborghini in order to compensate. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. Uh, Josh, let me switch it over to you before we talk about dicks more. <laughs> more dick, more di- more pig. Um, <laughs> uh, 
Uh, okay, I think uh, for this next film, I'm going to go with uh, Woodlands Dark and Dazed Bewitched, A History of Folk Horror, which Ooh. is a documentary. I don't know if I, anyone is familiar with it. Uh, on no. the panel. Okay, so uh, Kila Janice, is, um, she directed it, and she also wrote what I think is probably the most important book on horror cinema ever written, which is called House of Psychotic Women. It's her autobiographical, topographic um, study of her own female neurosis and how it applies to horror and exploitation cinema. So she is, I think, one of America, I mean, she's Canadian, but I think she's one of North America, let's say, most interesting horror film scholars. And this documentary, uh, which clocks in at about four hours long. Whoa! So, Whoa. Okay, all, right. all right, relax. Okay, it's good. And uh, uh, it's worth the runtime. But um, she does something really, really extraordinary. So obviously the documentary is going to explore the tonal, thematic, uh, the symbolic constructions of folklore. But also she really explores the applications of folk horror as an idea in our lives, not just mm. in our literature and in our cinema. So like the movie is super insightful about film and how, how folk horror has become a genre. But more than that, she is applying the idea of folk horror to Nazi national socialism at one point. Whoa. And then at another point, she's applying folk horror to the profound U.S. Southern poverty after the Civil War that affected both the black and the white communities after yeah. the Civil War. And then later, she's talking about urbanizing society's fear of nature and the entire human history of other uh, uh, of like um, of the fear of feminine power. So, you know, there's a lot in here about the witch craze. Um, and so... It's just a really, really impressive work. It's not just a bunch of movies clipped together with people. You know, we off, we've seen a lot of that from Shudder and stuff, right? These documentaries that are just clips of other mm. movies and people talking about it. But it's not like that. It's so much better than that. And the editing on this thing is a beast. Uh, there's a writer, another writer I really love. Her name is uh, uh, Maisha Wester. And she wrote a book called African American Gothic, Screams from Shadowed Places. And um, she has this amazing moment in the film where she's talking about the role of folk horror in black culture. Mm. And mm. as she's discussing this, uh, uh, you know, so she's talking, so, you know, I mean, you know what this is. It's all about intersexual ideas and in American folk horror and the relationships of class and race. And as she's talking about all this shit, the, the editing is astounding it's so much more than just movie to movie to movie it's very difficult for me to explain in a podcast it just has an intellect and an energy that's exciting to watch um and and that happens throughout the entire movie they talk about over 200 films i mean i know you know four hours i know it's a long time you can break <laughs> it into two views if you like but i think it's really important i think if you love horror cinema hope if you love yes. horror cinema <laughs> i I think that this is a, a, a foundational documentary about Damn. what horror cinema is, uh, and and it does so much more than just than just list off movies. Also, oh, uh, one other thing, sorry, is that um, I despise animation in documentaries. I hate it. They, do, you know, I know they do it because they don't have all the assets, or they're talking about an idea that they don't have a strong visual for, and they cut to animation, and it drives me crazy as somebody who mm. works in comics and works with art all the time. Um, but the the animation uh, in this film uh, is beautiful and elevating. And just when you're maybe a little fatigued from seeing clips from great movies that you have yet to see, just um, uh, 
then a beautiful piece of folk horror animation just kind of bubbles up. And it, it, it's just a very difficult thing to describe, but it's a it's a great documentary, and I, I really recommend it. The it's end. got 100% on Rotten Tomatoes right now. Oh, yeah. my gosh! You have my interest because Nailed I'm it. all out this. Oh, man, it's so good. Hope I hope you really dig it. Also, I will say this, too, uh, and this is an older person talking, but, like, the first hour of this is all about where because folk horror as a as a as a like a cinema or TV medium, you know, it really came out of England. Mm -hmm. And so the first hour is basically about 1970s British television. Love and it. What a high water mark for the TV medium, man. I mean, it's incredible. So, yeah, so check it out if you're if you're feeling that kind of stuff. That sounds great. Oh, there's this great line. I'm so sorry. I'll shut up in a second. <laughs> there's this great line where uh, there's a, a an indigenous American horror scholar speaking in the film. And uh, he says, if uh, because they're talking about the, you know, the trope of like uh, building something on an Indian burial ground. There's like yeah. a whole there's like a whole oh, section yeah. about that. And he says, <laughs> if non-indigenous people are going to be afraid of Indian burial ground, then I've got news for them. It's all Indian burial ground. Uh, I, I love I, that yeah. line. <laughs> I, I love, love that. that line. Okay, that's me. That's my my. That's me. Well, I'll I'll continue along with the the documentary thing. Then um, I don't know if this is stealing from Jesse or not, but I'm sure he'll take Dune later, so that's fine. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> Music Box Woodstock 99. Oh, um, yeah, the oh, best nice. horror movie mm. of the year. I've heard great things about that, yeah. Uh, this oh. this movie feels like taking a baseball bat to the teeth. It is, mm -hmm. uh, and and uh, so the, the a big part of my interest in it is, you know, I come out of a, a music background, you know, uh, classical orchestra into mm -hmm. touring rock bands, and so, like, this kind of stuff is is right up my alley. I'm, I know the the inner workings and the backgrounds of of putting on festivals i've actually put on my own festivals in the past so i know what can go fire wrong. festival was that yours fire, fire I, w I wish i could put my name on fire festival just because it's such a <laughs> <laughs> sucking dick for water baby right oh god um but yeah this this I've seen things go bad at a festival. I've never seen <laughs> the, the, this is just the deplorable depths of like fascist white capitalism starting to bubble out into the mainstream. And you can see it happen across these three days as this, as Woodstock just falls apart. And it's, it doesn't take its eye off of it at any point like it just gets worse at every single turn it just gets worse <laughs> it's I hard mean, images of people like bathing in shit water yeah just nice. selling bottles yeah. of water for like what 10 bucks a bottle yeah like oh just like despicable shit people dying every day deaths oh, no. people, people getting groped and raped and gang raped oh. in the pits and like in front of like other people in front of live music this shit is happening yeah and some of the musicians encouraging it yes oh. <laughs> fucking fred durst can rot in hell oh amen oh, fuck i thought guy. that before any of you guys brought any of this up so true no, it's really <laughs> it seals my opinion of the man yeah yeah, yeah uh, I, and my heart goes out to alanis morissette oh my god that is oh. she, she got Ooh. shafted <laughs> Wasn't oh, she wow. at like the back end of the festival where it's like uh, they 
put all the heavy bands and they put her in the back end and it's like oh you don't put that person there yeah yeah <laughs> no and like i've done mixed genre shows you can pull it off it is possible totally. of course but yeah that that documentary just and, and the the nail in the coffin for all of it is there's so much footage of the guy that was putting on the festival his name is escaping me right now i think it's john something um, yeah. There's so much footage of it, but the last, the last little bit of the documentary is uh, he turned down any chance to comment, and that's how they ended. Like, <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, I imagine why, sir. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, high, high recommend on that one for uh, taking for the fifth music documentaries. Uh, Hope, how about you? What do you got next? Uh, my next thing is we've actually talked about this previously. Again, I'm going to circle back to. My quote unquote comfort zone, I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. Um, Last Night in Soho. Mm-hmm. So, again, that was another movie that blew me away. It's another horror based film. Um, it's like a, I haven't seen it, but it's a, it's kind of a riff on Giallo, right? Oh, which is yes. a genre I'm a huge a subgenre I love, yeah. Yeah, it's it's kind of mixing Giallo with like Japanese filmmaking. Um, oh, interesting. Sensibilities. Yes. It's really interesting. Uh, the everything down from the script to the cinematography to just the storytelling, like I, and may, maybe it's just me being the the one girl in the sausage party right now. Um, but, <laughs> <laughs> I connected with it a little bit more just because, like, I have been in those shoes before with mm. the main character, and mm-hmm. um, you know, so like I get the PTSD, I get the the figuring things out i it it's just so it not only is it a horror movie but it, like it it hits me on a different level as well and again like i said it's just it's beautifully shot beautifully done mm. i was enthralled with it from the first second um as i said before i think there's only one downfall of the whole film and that's um like the quote-unquote love interest i'm like yeah you didn't really need him but i get why you had him in there um yeah what but, was the what what did you, as someone who hasn't seen the film, what did you not like about the love interest, or what did, wasn't successful? It, it just it was just a little underbaked. Well, it, he was there. Yeah, it, it was he was there as a as a moving point, but like it mm-hmm. could have just been like a friend. It didn't need to be a love interest, so to say. Right. It, right. it was, and it just that character in general just wasn't as well thought out as the other characters. Mm. As well, mm-hmm. so it was kind of like an afterthought that they they were like, oh, we kind of need this too. But otherwise, the rest of the film I cannot rave enough about. It was beautiful. Well, and and like he gets more development than any character in any Transformers movie. So you know, like the bar is high here. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So like again, that's the bar that you're hopping over. Is that your bar? That's your bar? <laughs> no, no. I'm saying I'm saying the the bar is high compared to the other characters in the film. You know right, what I mean? Okay. Like, like he, him being lower than any other character in the film is still higher than like the average character in in any other. Yeah, movie. like if if the rest of the crew is like an if the rest of the casting not I shouldn't I shouldn't say cast because he did a good job. It was just the actual character itself. Um, yeah. If the characters were all like A pluses, he would just be like a B. So like yeah. it's still a good average. It's just you know yeah. comparatively yeah, yeah. speaking. 
And it's Edgar Wright, right? So I'm yeah. sure it's constructed yes. beautifully. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah the the lighting, the costumes, the editing, just uh, we killer we've, soundtrack too. Yeah, yes. we've, we've already done a, an episode review on it for anyone interested in our in depth uh, thoughts on it. But yeah, it just every aspect of it is like, holy shit! How are you firing on all these cannons? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I, I just was constantly going, constantly going. Like I get a. My quote that I like to to say is, "If I could tip a movie, I would." Like yes. it would, nice. I, yeah, and that would be this movie. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Jesse, how about you, Jesse? 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 Well, you mentioned it earlier, Dune. <laughs> <laughs> Shocker. <laughs> okay, I mean, I've been waiting for this, and they finally did it. <laughs> I know that. I know, Josh. You don't care for Denis Villeneuve's films. I know you don't. I mean, you know, I have a complicated history with him, but, you know, I'm happy to <laughs> tell you my opinion after we hear yours. Um, <laughs> I, feel I wonder like, what the I opinion I'm a is. Dick. <laughs> no, no, I didn't hate it. I didn't hate it. No, no. Uh, you go. I, I, I like the fact that they said, look, we can't slam this 650-page book into two hours. <laughs> Let's do this slowly. It's the thing that Devin was saying, which was, Let's split the first book in half and not the last book in half. Yes. Mm. Thank God they did that because I was able to get my own mom to sit down and watch this with me. And she was like, that was really good. I like that. She was a little confused about some stuff, but overall. My mom was furious that we couldn't watch this together. My mother loves this. I'm so sorry to hijack, but just very quickly, my mother loves (laughs) these huge. The only time I really watch these big budget films is when I go home for Christmas. Mm. Because um, we went to go see Avatar together, obviously, many, many, many years ago. And the next morning I woke up and came down to breakfast and she turned to me. After like putting bacon on the plate and doing all that mom shit. And she like turned to me and she was like, oh my God, I had a dream that I was having sex with a blue guy on a dragon. And I was like, oh, jeez, mom. You know, like, uh, so, uh, so my mom is furious that we didn't see Dune together because uh, we're separated. But Damn. Continue. Sorry. Anyways. But yeah, I... I... I love the look of it. It's it's book accurate. A lot of people have said, "Oh, well, why is there no lights in that place? It's so dark. You know, it's it's grimy. It's like it's like that's book accurate. There is no electricity in that palace. Mm. You know, it's I like the look of it. I like the style of it. Um, it's this was made basically for me. <laughs> um, I will I will agree. The movie has no ending. <laughs> it just stops. This is only the beginning. It, it, yeah, I don't I don't care for that last <laughs> line. <laughs> That last line, I will agree, is not very good. Um, I will, They should have just said, we have a long walk ahead of us, and they just start walking. Like, mm. that's better. That's, that's better way line. better. That's way better. Yeah. I, feel, I feel very strongly that last line was a note from a producer. <laughs> that, that's a trailer shot, because mm-hmm. it's, it's the last line of the last trailer. So. Right. Ah, yeah, that's a trailer shot. There it shot. is. It it made my list just because of this huge experiment that it is of like, can I put out half of a giant movie and it Mm -hmm. and it pay off? So like, I I love it for what it is. Um, Mm -hmm. My love will grow or wane based off of uh, (laughs) the next one. The next one. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, we get or God Emperor. Oh, I don't think ever we're ever going to make it that far. I don't. I don't think we are either. Yeah. No, probably not. Also, how the hell do you adapt it? Right. It's like, mm. Yeah. It's totally. Like the, you can't. It's like that's why I, this this should have been a TV show. There is the arguments we made. This should have been a TV show right from the get go, which they've um, done before, mm-hmm. which has been done. Yeah. 
Well, the the miniseries. I mean, like an actual like long running Game of Thrones style show. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That could be cool yeah. because yeah. it's just Game of Thrones in space. That's it's, it's the same thing. <laughs> so yeah. It, you know, it, but then they'd probably have the same problem of, well, we're going to diverge from the books. Well, it's like, well, how far are you going to diverge? Right. <laughs> so, um, but, you know, maybe we'll get, you know, the conclusion of this. It, you know, it'd be good if they just did these two movies and say, you know what? The rest of it is just a TV show. Screw it. Let's just do it as a TV show on HBO Max and just put it like that. Because I do think that putting this as a film is very risky. Yep. Because it, it we're in a golden age of television right now. Something like this would work well on television. So I, that's my opinion. I still like the film. It's very good. Uh, Blu-ray just came out today, actually. Nice. Um, oh, Jesse, don't don't buy the Blu-ray. Why? What's up? Uh, you have a 4K copy on coming your way. Sweet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Good. Thank you. Much appreciated. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, Dune, definitely up there. And it just it just makes me happy that there was an audience. For this. Like, it, the film made profit. Like, the fact that a wide audience went to see it, yeah. it did well. Like, uh, we were all predicting last year when this got pushed, like, oh, this is going to fail. It's going to fail hard. No one's going to go see this. Everybody just wants Marvel shit, mm. you know. But then it comes out, it's like, oh, it did well. Shockingly well. Yeah. Awesome. Interesting. Okay, I guess there is an audience for this. Well, especially after like you know Blade Runner twenty forty nine and Arrival kind of dumping, Tanked. yeah. <laughs> um, it, it was it was a, a good worry to have, I guess. Uh, J- uh, Josh, I'm interested your your take on it. This was one of the other ones you mentioned. You have some uh, some hot words for. <laughs> I don't know if I have hot words for it. I mean, like basically, despite everything that's going to follow this statement. Um, not to speak for others, but I think that if anyone has ever read the novel and loved it, not if you read the novel and hated it, but if you've read the novel and you loved it, then I, you're going to be hard-pressed not to find something really enjoyable in this. Because yeah. like Jesse said, um, you know, it, it really serves the reader. Uh, and mm-hmm. I, I thought um, I thought there was some great production design. I thought yeah. there was great costume work. Um, that brutalist architecture... You know, that all the interior, the whole movie is essentially in ode to brutalist architecture. And um, that got a little bit boring. I don't need every single <laughs> interior to look exactly the same. Uh, I think there were ways that they could have been true to the book and still been a little bit more interesting with their interiors. But the scale of it is really exciting. Um so so that's all really cool. I thought it was cool that it, it almost feels a little bit like a Meta Barons movie, kind of, which is awesome. Uh, oh, anybody... what, that's that's a weird coincidence. <laughs> yes, I know. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And I, I mean, I don't want to go te- too deep into that. If people know what that reference is, awesome. And yeah. I mean, it's just, it just has to do with Jedorowski's past, uh, Alejandro Jedorowski working on this property and leaving a lot of assets behind that people have exploited for years and years. And I, mm-hmm. I think Villeneuve you know, looked at that and, and wanted to play with that idea. And, mm. and I respect that. Um, uh, but it did, as as Jesse suggested, it did sort of 
have the same thing that all Villeneuve movies have for me, which is I feel so emotionally distant from them and mm. so undivested in the characters. I think he is an extraordinary visualist, but I have never felt like I saw, I've seen an authentic character in a Villeneuve movie. Uh, and um, I will say that in this one, the only actor that really transcended and became like a person to me and transcended his role is Oscar Isaac. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and and that's mostly because he has that one really amazing scene with also very good Rebecca Ferguson, who's mm. really fun to watch in this, where they where he he's like, you know, are you Paul's mother first or are you Bene Gesserit? And I, I thought um I thought that was a great scene. I could use a lot more of that kind of stuff. People <laughs> in love, talking about family <laughs> and struggle. I needed a lot of that more than I need the the, the you know, the big whatever spaceships landing and all of that stuff. Um, uh, but you know, Oh, Oh, I thought that, um, I honestly thought that making Arrakis such a par, um, synonym for the middle East, I thought didn't do him any favors with the white savior. Uh, um, yeah, you know, uh, not yeah, that you I, you know what I mean. Like we don't need like first of all, I know and you know and everyone who's read the book knows that Paul is not a white savior. However, no. it, it, but there's a reason why that um, criticism persists mm. because on the surface it very much does look like that. And I don't think that we needed. I think he could have been more imaginative. He could have been he could have been created a whole new culture because we all know that Dune is a metaphor for the Western involvement in that region, in the Middle East. We know that. It's implicit in the material. You don't have to be so obvious and that's another Villeneuve issue I have. He's just a very obvious director. He doesn't like, um, he's not a subtle director uh, (laughs) and uh, you know, you know what I mean? Um, But it's, look, it's not a soulless movie. Villeneuve has vision. Um, I don't know why his vision is so in love with murky colors and like Instagram life fashion photo shoot lighting and all this shit. But but for whatever reason, um, but I am gonna watch the second one, and that's I think that's all I have to say. I hope you saw you saw it as well, right? I actually did not. What? I mean, I let, let me finish. Let me finish. How can you be friends <laughs> with Jesse and not see Dune? <laughs> I respect that. <laughs> Let me finish. <laughs> I work overnights. Yes. I have limited time. True. And when I do have some time, I like to sleep, which I've been getting very, How very, selfish of very you. little of lately. Mm. <laughs> so you're lucky I'm actually awake right now recording, okay? <laughs> so I do not have time for three hour movies. Because I like to sleep in my spare time. Well, you good can morning. Watch that four, you can watch that four-hour documentary in pieces. Yeah. Don't feel you need to do it all in one. That's how I did the <laughs> Irishman. <laughs> yeah, I, I had have to. to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, let's uh, rotate over to... Oh, wait. Well, more I'm thoughts so on sorry. One more thing. Yeah. It's always, always, always nice to get space opera that isn't Star Wars. Yes. That's yep. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Also, I think that we've pointed that out on the episode we were talking about, that that's why the cultural zeitgeist seems to be hitting with this one, because everyone's kind of like, oh, this is kind of like Star Wars. Oh, (laughs) you just now noticed that, huh? (laughs) As someone who's watching the Book of Boba Fett right now, like, that is just straight up Dune. Like, beat for beat, they're just doing Uh, Dune. 
can, can I just say I desperately need a baby Rancor in my life? Yes. Oh, out. my God. <laughs> Danny Trejo, Rancor Wrangler. Oh, my gosh. That no way. Combo, that yeah. combo yeah. today. Danny Trejo is in Fuga Boba Fett. And it's a baby. It's a, tell me more, Hope. <laughs> so, <okay. laughs> so one good thing about working overnights, the first thing I do when I get home at like 7 a.m. is I like get my coffee and I watch all the new releases. Like, Oh, yeah. So nice. before the spoilers come out, <laughs> so I like sat down this morning with my coffee and I just see this tiny little baby rancor and I'm just like, <laughs> I need this baby. <laughs> it's so, and then he's like petting it and it's just like, hur, hur, and I'm like, oh God, I need him. <laughs> Machete, yeah, Machete, Danny Trejo. I can't not call him Machete. <laughs> machete, uh, Machete, don't text. Hey, they literally did get Machete in space. We got it. Yeah, yeah. amazing. Directed by it. Robert Rodriguez. Oh, that's right. It is. Yep. That's uh, how I, really. Yeah, yeah. That's how yeah. I. That's how amazing. I knew. The whole thing feels like Alita Battle Angel mixed with like Star Wars pod racing. It. it it's kind of crazy. It's a crazy show. I'm warming up to it. Oddly enough. Nice. Uh, mm. But that's not one of our recommends, everybody. I'm sorry. That's... <laughs> <laughs> Although I will recommend Danny Trejo any day, but yeah. Oh, yeah. that's Obvious. different. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, let, well, let's shift over to Josh. What uh, What do you have next? I'm keeping tabs open for all years now, too, because I'm like, I got to go back. <laughs> Uh, I am, you know, I, I'm very torn. I have much more than six movies I want to talk about. So sure. I, I'm sort of juggling around, but I think the next one I want to talk about is a bit of a divergence is the movie Mass. I don't know if any of you guys saw Mass, the the Fran Kranz movie. Um, Mass is a, 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 Fran Kranz is an actor. This is his first written and directed film. And Mass is a, a it's a study in sort of modern truth and reconciliation. Uh, it where four extraordinary actors. Um, it mostly takes place in one room. Some of the criticisms about it is that it's too much like theater. Fine, I get it. I don't think there's anything more cinematic than the landscape of the human face, but okay, to each their own cinema. But um <laughs> Uh, but it's four people in a room. They come together. You don't know why. There's obviously a very emotional thing at stake. It's two couples, uh, two husband and wife couples, and uh, and very little bit of a spoiler. Just to get people interested. What happens is, is that one of the couples is, are the parents of a mass shooter uh, who walked into a school, and the other are the couples of one of his victims. Oh, and so, so we have shit. to watch these two couples go through. Uh, a, a, a truth, peace, and reconciliation process. And um, uh, there's this one thing that happens in this movie uh, where um, Martha Plimpton is one of the actors, which it, it, I'm, I'm Gen X, so Martha Plimpton's very important to me. But there's a, um, uh, a she's, her husband is across the room at this point you know the blocking is broken away from the main table and the characters are scattered around the room uh having their emotional experiences and the movie ramps up emotionally to a point i mean i wept like two or three times during this movie and um and martha plimpton is in the corner and uh she's being asked to tell a story about her son her dead son and she makes this hand gesture to her husband it's like a um you know, like, like, come here, please come here. I need you with her hands. And it is exactly what my wife, whose name is Kelly Bruce. It is exactly what my mm -hmm. wife 
has has done several times throughout a relationship when the storm of life has been particularly difficult on us. Mm. And he runs across the room to her and he holds her hands and he transfers his strength and his love to her so she can uh, tell a story and get through this emotional moment. And and it, it sort of dawned on me watching this movie like, oh, this is why we have partners. This is why we, you know, this is, we hold on to each other like life rafts. And this is a kind of movie where you just sit in this dialogue and you sit in these ex- four extraordinary actors going through the paces and, and, and you think a lot about your life wow. and what life is in general. And it's just a very powerful movie. I will say that there are some... Um, there, it's so authentic that when it's inauthentic, it's almost grating. Does that make sense? You know mm. what I mean? Like it, it achieves mm. such a high level of authenticity where you forget you're watching actors, where where everything seems to be delivered straight from that person's heart mind onto the screen. Wow. So that when 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 they do when the, the director does these like little formal tips uh, or ticks, I mean, and structural things, it you're almost like no 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 don't dispense with all that just <laughs> just just let the actors do their thing stop trying to make it a movie uh and so there you know and there's some things it seems particularly a political uh which is interesting choice for something like this it's yeah. particularly you know there's a few there's a few missteps um but that's all subjective and what's ultimately uh true for me personally is that um, many times it achieves a transcendent authenticity about what it means to be a human being, what it means to forgive, what it means to have sympathy for someone who's done you harm. Um, and uh, and I, I, I found it to be an incredibly emotional journey when I was watching it. Wow. Mm-hmm. I, I may have made a mistake just now. I clicked on <laughs> Fran Kranz. That's the, yeah. that's the pothead from Cabin in the Woods. Yes, he wrote and directed this movie. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. He's in Donnie Darko and like Training Day and shit. Yeah, exactly. Oh for, for, He's in Hitch. <laughs> As a pothead myself, this just helps me aspire to greatness, honestly. I was stoned when I watched it. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> Which might explain why I wept so much. Sure, sure. <laughs> Uh, but uh, but I am a crier though I cry a lot so you know yeah well uh, I, I don't know how to top the emotional depth <laughs> of that so I guess I'll right? go a, a little uh, popcorn broad um, Jesse I don't know if this is on your list feel free to chime in at any point um, mm. I was blown away by the movie Nobody I loved it too oh yeah, my gosh I Bob Odenkirk yes yep. <laughs> so so this is. And these these are big, loose, floppy spaghetti air quotes. Not John Wick. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> um. Th- so you know, th- this is this is a movie. I liked it more than John Wick, honestly. It, if sure. the dog were a kitty cat bracelet. <laughs> yeah, Give yeah. Me the that's true. <laughs> that is an excellent point. But th- th- there was something. Th- there's something about this that John Wick doesn't have, and I think it's that look at the the broken father the the broken adult man you know just the somebody that's been just crushed under a heel for so long but so mm-hmm. full of potential and it it's something he knows about himself and i think that's what really made the movie for me was just like 
every opportunity that he doesn't just eviscerate someone is him exercising self-control that a hitman shouldn't have. And that on... So, like, having a a really cool core to your action movie is excellent. On top of that, they also slap in one of the best bus fights that I've ever seen in my fucking life. Oh, yeah. And which is also one of the first, like, real fights. Yeah, yeah. It's also, like, the intro Mm -hmm. into the action film, yeah. And and listen, I was on board through the whole fight. Up, He gets thrown out through the window of the bus, and I was like, damn, that was a really good fight. And then he gets up and walks back into the bus, and I was like, what what are we watching right now, guy? What is happening? Just, I I love nobody. Can I also say the realism, too, that, like, he is beat, and he takes the seatbelt. He's like, well, this wrist is broken. Let me just tie it back together before I go on. And, (laughs) you know, like, just the little things like that is what got me for that film, too. And Mm -hmm. so it was just, like, the little things. Like, he's not inhuman, Right, you know, he's he can be broken. <laughs> yeah, it's not a superhero movie. It's it's really not a superhero movie. Uh, in in a way that like John Wick has kind of become. You know, <laughs> he, yeah, he, John Wick is like basically God now because he's constantly nailing headshots. Yeah, yeah. Like in in the last week of his life, he's been thrown off a building, hit by multiple cars, shot, stabbed. Like, okay, sure, yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, nobody. Uh, I immediately purchased it as soon as it came out. Um, so it sits in my my Amazon purchases. I throw it on probably once a month just for the fight scenes, just because they're so well done. But the, it was the emotional core that grabbed me the first time. That I was like, oh, this actually has something to say. Interesting. Yeah. Can I also just I mean, say? Oh, sorry. The, the, oh, I was gonna say it's the same writer as John Wick, yep. uh, Derek Colson. Yeah. Yep, so. But, what were you gonna say? Hope? Oh no, I was just gonna say in the little subtleties too, like of the comedic tones that helps break it up. But I think that's definitely because Bob Odenkirk started out in comedy. Yeah, so, yeah, absolutely. You know, so you need those like little tiny breaks, which was a good reminder. So it wasn't just action, 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 action. You know, so that helped too. Like, so I, I really do think that helps. Like you wouldn't hear John Wick be like, "Where's the kitty cat bracelet?" You know, or like. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Or like when the the one chick was just like, nope, I quit. I don't care if you just paid me twenty million. I quit. Yeah, <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> yeah. Also, we have this film to thank for uh, Bob Odenkirk still being alive right now. Yeah, yeah. Because mm-hmm. uh, apparently, what happened was that when he had his heart attack down in New Mexico, working on the last season of Better Call Saul, the reason he survived that is because he got into such good shape. Oh, right, prep, the two years of training. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Because if he hadn't done that, he would have died on set of Better Call Saul. That's crazy. Nice. Yeah, so well, thank you. It kind of makes you think better, think more, uh, better thoughts about this movie. I mean, I, there was a review that came out. I remember when this dropped. It said it's a reclamation of masculinity. Ugh, I hate hearing that. Okay, so uh, I, I don't, are, are, I don't mean to step on you, Jesse. Are you? Are you no, go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> okay, I liked this movie. I did. Yep. And honestly, I didn't see it until later in the year. And I was always excited about the idea of Bob Odenkirk action hero. <laughs> but nobody told me it's also Christopher Lloyd action hero. Yes. Which would have- oh, yes. oh my gosh, yes. <laughs> I would have. And, I would and have, the RZA. <laughs> I would have literally run to the theater to see Christopher Lloyd action hero. Yes, and the RZA. But I will say, interestingly enough, and for the sake of, you know, debate, is that the very thing that you kind of dug about it, Seth, is what almost made me not get through it. Even though finally they, like that first 30 minutes, um, 
I don't know. I'm just so exhausted of this white male marginalization narrative. It's like American beauty. His wife won't fuck him. His son doesn't love him. He's not enough of a man. I like hated that stuff with a passion. The first 30 minutes is like um, this weak father narrative. It's just in this milky toast partner and cops mock the victim of the arm armed home invasion. And I was really cultivating a finely tuned hatred. It wasn't until <laughs> they, they, they dropped all that white male marginalization bullshit and like finally just got down to really punching each other <laughs> that I started to have a good time. And I, because, you know, those of us like me who grew up watching eighties action movies, you know, um, and yet still somehow against all odds, uh, grew up to be like SJWs or whatever you want to call us. <laughs> um, you know, for years we've had to put up with this, like this, this thing where you, to have a good action film, you have to justify and even glorify violence, right? That's like the, that it just has to be done yeah. like that. Otherwise you're not going to. And so, um, and so I, and I respect that this movie starts off by creating like this nightmarishly reductive vision of the world and all this stuff. But it was hard for me to, to get through in the beginning. But, um, but yeah, but once he walks on that bus, uh, my tune changed and I'm, and, and I, I intend on showing it to my wife because my wife loves to watch people beat each other up. <laughs> so, uh, even though she's a nurse. So, um, so, so I, I did really like it, but I do have to say that I, I found that the first 30 minutes pretty, you know, see pretty tedious. That That's the stuff. Uh, I, I think the only reason that I, cause I understand what you're saying. And, and I, I think, yeah. I think I, was gathering the same things, but there's a point in the movie where he kind of realizes that the his issues are because of him not communicating and not mm-hmm. his emasculiz, uh, emasculization. That's what I'm going for mm-hmm. there. Um, emasculation. Emasculation, thank you. It's not his emasculation. It is... I believe it's emasculatopation. Sure. <laughs> um, it, but it, it's his lack of communication. And, and so you... C- because the follow-up to the cringe that is like white men suburbia would be mm-hmm. like his, you know, puffing his chest out and his wife being suddenly more attracted to him and wanting to fuck him because right, he's right. fighting and his son respecting him for violence. The movie never goes there and instead opts to say, no, he chose this life and and the reason he's unhappy is because he makes himself unhappy not because of anything that his family's doing to him and that was the mm-hmm. turning point for me where I was like, you know what? In retrospect, the first part of the movie starts to make a little more sense now. Like, you know, the, their lack of respect is because he's not talking to them. And that mm-hmm. that's a big lesson, I think, for action movies to to put into it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah. I'll buy that. But that was my takeaway. Um, I love it. Hope next, right? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um. Okay, I'll rip the Band-Aid. I'll do it. Nice. I'll... (laughs) You can't wait. (laughs) I will talk about Marvel. (laughs) Yeah. Nice. (laughs) Okay. Spider-Man. No Way Home. (laughs) I... Spider-Man. I'm with you here, Hope. I am with you here. I I did love it. I didn't see it. it... (laughs) Well, you haven't even seen Endgame yet, have you? I saw the, which one is that? I saw the first one, and I didn't see the second one. Yeah, the one where they bring everybody back, and it's five years later. And nah, I didn't see that. But 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 you were saying hope. Yeah, <laughs> <right>. <laughs> it's, it's really good. You First off, 
to all the meme lords out there, your wish came true. (laughs) (laughs) They got the meme into the movie. (laughs) To all the meme lords, you win. (laughs) So... Yeah, You're referencing the, the Spider-Man pointing meme, right? Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. Just, just wanted to make sure I was tracking. Yes, yes. No, you were totally. Um, no, but it was it was a beautiful culmination of 20 plus years, basically. Well, maybe not 20 plus, but about 20 years in the making of superheroes and mo- or modern superheroes and the franchises and all. Um and you in the fact that they did deal with the the multiverse you you see these different mm-hmm. like facets of what could you could apply this to any character really it didn't have to be spider-man it could have been anybody and it would have been great because you would have sent seen these different traits and personalities and how they all come together and um, I mean, I guess similar to like the Loki show, same thing. Like you see all the different variants, how they come together and it was beautifully done as well. Um, mm. But also like Toby and Andrew coming back, I was like, oh, my babies. <laughs> um, <laughs> nice. I love that it retroactively makes the uh, the first Spider-Man movie the first MCU movie. Yes, it really does. <laughs> yeah, they, they, nice. Um and the fact that in the one scene where in Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man, he's like, I love you guys. That reaction is actually a le- legitimately 100%. Andrew Garfield's like, yeah, I wasn't supposed to say that, but I really loved that moment. And I Aww. loved them. And that's why you Aww. see them look at each other. They're like, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> because they were just like, that's, oh, not I like the, that. that's not the script, buddy. And he's like, I know, but I love you. <laughs> um, but not all, I mean, yes, I mean. The action sequences are great. Obviously, Marvel and Disney dumped fucking atrocious amount of money into this, so everything should yeah. be great. Um, but not only that, but at the very end, it's a gut puncher. It really is. Like, yeah. You, you would. You, oh yeah, that ending. Ooh. You would think that you know to continue on with either the franchise or just Marvel or anything in general. You know, they they would have made it a smidge on the the up note, but it was it was a down note. It was a total down note, and I'm kind of like, I appreciated them for doing that though. Mm-hmm. I really did. Mm-hmm. Um, I was like, you're okay, so you're breaking away from your, I I guess your normal outline, so to say. So the fact that they did end on the, this down note and everything, and him growing up and. It, it it also left the potential it also shout out to the Miles Morales like little shout out shout out yeah um, there's got to be a black spider-man out I, I thought you'd be I thought you were black man <laughs> here in Brooklyn you look out for the little guy um <laughs> so um and I think they are trying to probably set that up with the whole yeah. uh spider the second spider-verse movie and everything mm. as well um which I think would be fantastic um but yeah, it was just, it was so great to see, I guess, like, not only for the nostalgia in me, but, you know, to see where it's going, where it can go. And again, like, all the actors in this movie really did just, 
Like even Willem Dafoe was like, I'm doing my, <laughs> I might be almost 70, but I'm doing my own stunts. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, so like everyone Defoe's just, the man. Right. So everyone just like put on their A game and it showed and it, and it's not just cause it's a Marvel movie. Like they just, they all, you could tell they just all really cared. Yeah. And I think that's mm. what also helped make it too, is because like. They again, you know, you can you can play a role in any movie, but when they all came together, they like came together. So, and and I think that really again it showed, and I just it was great. That I was definitely a um, the head cheerleader in my theater watching the movie. <laughs> so, <laughs> I will say it was a bit of a slip and slide emotionally sometimes because it's like. I'm going to spoil for you, Josh, because you're not going to watch it. Aunt May gets killed by the Green I Goblin. I might watch it. Don't say that. I could watch it. <laughs> In 10 years <laughs> from now, Jesse. <laughs> no, no. I occasionally, if, if a Marvel movie gets enough good press from people that I love and adore, I will maybe eventually watch it. So, yes. <laughs> okay. Well, there's your one thing. Uh, but, yeah, like, after that, it's like it's the three Spider-Men in the lab making jokes about, like, uh how they're getting old, too old for this stuff. And it's like, uh-huh. it's a little push and pull of like, I was just crying. Now I'm supposed to be laughing. It's that simple Marvel, that Marvel formula of being quippy. Mm. It, it's a mm-hmm. little quippy sometimes, which is kind of annoying, but 90% of the movie, I'm like, yeah, this is fun. Like it's genuinely fun. So nice. A little yeah, on the I- long side, but I enjoyed it. Dude, was it even legal to make a movie 90 minutes long in 2021? Was that even a thing? Like, were people punished if they made a movie? Uh, nobody, Venom too. Yeah, nobody was 90 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There, uh, there was a couple of them. Yeah, Venom 2 right. was 90 minutes, and thank God, because the movie's awful. <laughs> well, um, really briefly for me, uh, it also made my list hope, and uh, my main three reasons are, one, I haven't liked a Spider-Man movie except for Into the Spider-Verse since Spider-Man 2. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. I've come around on yeah, a couple of them. Yeah, me too. I feel the same way. <laughs> uh, yeah. I've definitely come around on a couple of them. Far From Home I just rewatched recently just for shits and giggles, and it's it's not as bad as I recall. And Spider-Man 3 I came around on a little bit uh, this year as well, or last year because of the podcast. But mm-hmm. um, the the MCU Spider-Man films I have not really dug. Uh, like, I get, I get they're not for me too, so like, I don't, like, I'm not hurt that I don't get, like, dig them. Right. Um, it, it's, it's definitely for a generational thing and it, when you see the newer, like, Spider-Man movie, so I get that. Yeah, yeah. So, so the fact that, like, I haven't liked specifically the MCU ones, for me to like this one was a big deal and then the second reason was Willem Dafoe. He's in three mm-hmm. scenes total. Oh, yeah. Oh, three scenes total, and he steals the show. Just, like, yanks the carpet out from these gigantic cameos just by virtue of being there and being himself. Um, so, yeah, the, he, he was the, the number two reason. I was like, yeah, I can't hate this movie. Like, it's, he's doing such amazing, fun things and I think really showing off what villains can be like in the MCU. And then my last reason was just the, the, the whole experiment of it all. Like, they fucking pulled it off. They put all three Spider-Men in there. How'd they do that? Yes. <laughs> lots and lots and lots of money. True, yep. <laughs> <laughs> no, but still, though, you can't buy... 
the stru- you, you can't buy a solution out of the structural complications in a story of too many characters and not enough time and you know yeah. what I mean? you can't buy your way out of that so that's just talent from a yeah. script point of view a director's point of view an actor's point of yep. view it's fair because you could make the same connection of uh, the was Amazing Spider-Man two, which was overloaded and overcrowded. Like mm. this film is overloaded and overcrowded, but it it works. Yeah, it, it, they like, did it in the proper way. Right. Yeah. 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 So. Well, uh, J- right. Jesse, let's pivot over to you then. What do you have next? Uh, next up, uh, we have one of your Netflix films, The Harder They Fall. Oh boy. Oh yes. <laughs> Yeah, Josh, you thought this was a. Uh, uh, I thought it was the 1956 with Humphrey Bogart when you said, <laughs> no. I was like, "Wait, are, are we not doing 2021 movies?" And that's when I was like, "Am I? Should I really be on this podcast if I don't know <laughs> what's going?" But this I did. Is... Re- I do remember though. It's 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 yeah. I I know what it is. I do. I do. Yeah, yeah. So I'm. But have you watched it though? I did not get to watch it. No. Okay. But I. Uh, uh, but I'm into it. I like into the idea of it. It looks awesome. Yeah, it's uh, it's very fun. It's. Very well shot. the The soundtrack is killer. I immediately got the soundtrack yep, as yep, soon as the movie was yep. over. Um, yeah, it's my new workout playlist. Uh, it's it's the writing is fantastic. It's it's a little on the long side. It's it's about two and a half hours, which is like it doesn't need to be that long because um, that's the law now. Yeah. I'm telling you, it's the law. God, just make them two hours, please. <laughs> um, but uh, it, the ending also I didn't care for, but overall like. 95% of the film, I'm like, yeah, this is fantastic. Oh. It's so well shot. And I think it's this director's first film, as far as I'm aware. Is that this first director's is first it? film? I don't know. Uh, check that real quick. Well, I think it his is. His IMDb links to his band. Uh, so. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah. Uh, he He's done a short film, a documentary. And yeah, this was his first uh, feature fiction film. Feature. Damn, knocked it out of the park, man. Yeah. <laughs> nice. I mean, just listen to this cast list. Jonathan Majors, Idris Elba, Zazie Beetz, Regina King, Delroy Lindo, Lakeith Stanfield, RJ Seiler. Like, this is, like, amazing actors. Yeah. And they're all gunning for it, too. Oh, they're all <laughs> gunning for it. It's fantastic. Yeah. It's awesome. such a shame that it didn't make uh, that much, <laughs> didn't make any money, though, unfortunately. Did it go to so. theaters? It had a small theatrical run, but it tanked bad. It cost ninety million, and it went right to Netflix. Well, it was, but yes. I mean, I don't. Th- Go ahead, y'all. I was gonna say I thought it was exclusively Netflix. I didn't even realize there was a theatrical. So, uh, yeah, there was a small premiere. It was a limited release, and then it went to went to streaming. And I mean, streaming is an. It's very difficult to know what is technically a success mm. in the streaming world. Not just because we yeah. don't know how many whatever views it received, but also because, you know, the game that Netflix and now the other streaming services are playing is a different game entirely than getting seats, you know, getting asses in the seats at the theater. Right. It's a different beast. Right. So. Yeah. I think the only one that actually did reveal their numbers recently was HBO Max, and it was revealed, oh, the numbers aren't very good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that'll be the last time HBO Max reveals their yeah. numbers. Yeah. Everyone was like, oh, the Justice League is going to get us all these subscribers. Nope. <laughs> Everyone signed up for the free trial and canceled as soon as they watched it. So there you go. I have HBO Max. HBO Max has a lot of good shit on there now. I I love it. Yeah. It's awesome. I'm on there half the yeah, time. There's lots of stuff. Yeah. yeah. Like a lot of their stuff it's is like got Criterion a lot of, stuff. Yeah. And Turner yes. Classic Movies, although I also pay for the Criterion channel, so I'm double dipping there. But, <laughs> but uh 
but yeah, they got a lot of Turner Classic Movie stuff on there. There's a lot of great Ghibli, stuff. They, great they, TV shows too. They threw, uh, yeah, all, Studio Ghibli, yep. yeah. That's my, oh, that's all I do on there is Dude, watch. <laughs> that's worth the price of entry alone to me. Yeah, 100%. 100%. Well, well, what kills me is I own all the DVDs to the Ghibli movies, and I still watch it on there, so. <laughs> DVD. <laughs> it's just, I know, it's so much easier to just press play on your remote than it is to yeah. dig out your DVD. <laughs> I know. What, wasn't, it, wasn't it Chris Chipman that told us that Studio Ghibli has like a giant library of hentai? Nice. Did he? I think because I think that he told us because they, apparently they inherited some production company's assets and they have a giant warehouse filled with hentai now. Well, they never release it under the Ghibli name, but they just have it. <laughs> so, I did not know that. <laughs> <laughs> so, but and also, isn't Ghibli like partially owned by Disney or something at this point? They're in partnership with, but they're not owned yes. by. So that means Disney yes. has a giant warehouse of hentai. Okay. No, it doesn't. It means that one of their subs- <laughs> one of the people's they're in business with has it. Although, I mean, I like your take. Don't get me wrong. I'm not okay. trying to. But yeah, <laughs> Josh, you're next. Um. All right. I have a three way tie. I'm not going to talk about all three of them because one, I know that we have a hard time limit and all that jazz. But I'm just going to mention three movies and I'm going to talk about one. Uh. But I don't know. Um. First of all, a cop movie. It's a Mexican film. It's um, it's a documentary about Mexican police. It's not salacious. It's not narcos. <laughs> it's not like that. It's a it's a very human story. And in fact, it starts a little soft. And for the first hour, I was like, "This is not biting enough. This isn't." But it changes. It morphs twice. The movie is three different movies and um, uses three different ways to explore. Um, the honestly the institutionalized corruption in in Mexico and how deeply it impacts people even people who are in these institutional roles so I, I thought it was really powerful really wonderful um, it's a Mexican director that I like that I followed for a while uh, Alonzo Ruza Palacios I might have totally mispronounced that um, but he's done a lot of great stuff so that's great also uh, my other movie that I'm just going to mention uh, in passing is Dry... Oh, go ahead. I didn't catch the title of the first one. Oh, I'm sorry. It's called A Cop Movie. A Cop Movie. I know you oh. might have thought... <laughs> the, uh, oh, yeah. I know you were like, I'm just talking title. about a cop movie. Okay. I was like, oh, is that literally the title? A Cop Movie? Yes. <laughs> yes. yes. Una what? película de policias. Yes. <laughs> a Cop Movie. Yeah, I know. I know. When I said it, I, I know. I speak too fast. Okay. Uh, the other one is one of the two... Ryosuke Hamaguchi films that were dropped this year, mm. a Japanese filmmaker that I love. The one that got all the attention is Drive My Car. That uh, I have yet to see the other one. Drive My Car is amazing. It is because it's the law over two hours long. <laughs> it, uh, it clocks in at 179 minutes. Woo! It's extremely quiet. Yep, it's extremely quiet. It's extremely still. If that's your bag, definitely check it out. It's it's really pretty and, and lovely and amazing and, and about real human beings and I loved it. But the movie I'm going to talk about is the non-sploitation film Benedetta by the great Paul Verhoeven. You absolute legend, Paul Verhoeven. <laughs> oh, yes, Verhoeven. You sultan of high exploitation, Paul no. Verhoeven. <laughs> I, 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 this is the horny nun movie, right? Yes. Okay, yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. It is. He's, uh, you know, Verhoeven is someone I've loved since I was 16. We all, you know, when my dad took me to RoboCop and then afterwards told me that the police are only there to protect consumerists and to punish non-consumerists. And I thought, whoa, that makes sense. And uh, Your so dad sounds I, I awesome. 
<laughs> yeah, he, he was a heroin addict too. But there's a lot of you know, th- it, that's a bigger subject than we're going to cover. <laughs> All righty, that escalated quickly. <laughs> um, but uh, but look, uh, you know, uh, maybe Benedetta doesn't deserve to be in this top five list. But it really, I love exploitation. I think there is something really exciting about taking an idea that is inherently unethical, inherently wrong, and then attacking it in such a way that it, it that it becomes ethical somehow it becomes right somehow you you're either so absurdist about it um that that it loses its sting or you fashion it in a way so that it is a satirical attack on the throat of the institutionalized world mm. and that's what Bendetta is it's not the best non-sploitation film i've seen that obviously goes to ken russell's the demons or, or it's not even as good as say witch hammer or mark of the devil but mm. we haven't had a non-sploitation movie in a long time yeah and in this in this movie and this is high art non-sploitation like the first half it, it it's like the godfather of non-sploitation. <laughs> it's like I mean, you know, the um and and I just I I I mean I just thought I think it's awesome. I it really attacks the church hard. It um it's it's a true story. I don't know how familiar you guys are with um with the historical character of Benedetta Carlini who was an Italian uh, nun who basically was a a lesbian and took over a monastery and challenged the church Um, but uh, but this is directed by a man and it's it's of course Verhoeven is did Ellie a few years ago I think 2016 is Ellie which was also one of my favorite films of that Mm. year and he's he's entered into this phase and look this is a relatively straight <laughs> uh, white male saying this. So take it with a grain of salt. But this, but he manages to attack these issues that are, ex- that are extreme third rail issues in our society and do it in a way that, um, that mocks patriarchy, that, that doesn't reduce his, uh, I think personally, doesn't reduce his female characters, doesn't make them reductive, doesn't make them uncomplicated, um, and that doesn't virtue signal. And yet he, he, and yet he's he's attacking society all the time in the way that RoboCop attacked institutionalism, mm. in the way that Starship Troopers attacked institutionalism. Um, this movie attacks the church vehemently. I mean, they, literally in the end, it attacks the church <laughs> violently. Um, also, it's take, it takes place during a plague, so there's some really interesting modern, um, you know, parallels yeah. uh, there. Um, so I loved it. I mean, if you want to see a movie where somebody fashions a statue of the Virgin Mary into a dildo, Benedetta <laughs> is the movie for you. And that's my pitch. Wow. I'm watching that right after this. <laughs> <laughs> nice. You've had you're you're three for three so far. I'm I'm nailing it. It's my enthusiasm. All these movies could suck. I just ooze enthusiasm. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, I was talking to um Bob Chipman about uh, Benedetta recently, and he he also highly highly recommended it. Oh, awesome! Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I hope you guys. I hope you all like it. Absolutely. Well, um, uh, you know. 
I don't have anything that sexy to follow up with, unfortunately. I had to do because of mass. I had to like go to the other extreme. And honestly, it's only going to get more hardcore from here with me. So <laughs> do whatever you got to do. Well, um, so for for my next one, this is one that I mean, I think anybody could have guessed. This is a James Gunn joint. This is the Suicide Squad. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. oh, yeah. I, I know. I saw that. Yeah, I, I know this is not going to be like, you know, the best superhero movie of 2021. It's not going to be probably the best DC film that they ever do but this was right up my alley in 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 the same way that the next one that I'm going to talk about uh was as well and it's that so we do podcasts around movies and <laughs> most of that happens to be around popular movies and popular movies right now are superhero films so I've seen basically all of them at this point and uh so you start to see patterns right and you start to want me or I personally start to want these patterns to be broken. The most entertaining thing a movie could do is just messily break everything that I know to be the mm-hmm. norm. And even if it doesn't pull it off completely, I'm going to have a great time. Um, and that's mm-hmm. exactly what Suicide Squad was for me. It just, the first 10 minutes felt like a video essay about the DC universe and, uh, kind of anti anti-hero movies in general and then it it drops into this like genuinely like fun uh really um I, I really enjoyed the the interplay of all the characters John Cena shockingly is like my favorite character in the why shockingly <laughs> John Cena is lovely yeah. he's always great. <laughs> why are you shocked uh, well I, I've always thought he was funny but I never I never thought he could pull off something like this character. This character, sh- Peacemaker, shouldn't work. Like, it should not right. work as a character on screen. It's great in comics. It doesn't work on screen. He uh, has his own show now. Yeah. I know. I know. <laughs> so, so yeah, I was just, I, I and and if you're going to throw a kaiju fight into the middle of your superhero movie. Yes. Sorry. I, like, <laughs> hats off to you. I'm having, and, and on top of all of that, the fact that they made King Shark and Sylvester yes. Stallone oh, yeah. play <laughs> that well. I don't know what it is about James Gunn. He knows how to make CGI characters that work. And, and also, well, I think he gives them just, humor and humanity. Sebastian ahead, was sorry. the best. Yeah. <laughs> He's my favorite. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it just Suicide Squad, hands down, I think was my favorite superhero movie of the of the year um and it just it 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 worked for me it it had that like kind of punk rock scott pilgrim feeling to the editing and the the scene transitions and just everything about it felt like tailor made for me and uh yeah i enjoyed every single minute of it i've seen it six times since it come out <laughs> nice oh yeah it's been great i i have thoroughly enjoyed it as well like Margot Robbie mm. went balls to the wall Love with Harley her. Quinn character. Sylvester Stallone is King Shark. He's like, I read, I smart. Like, mm-hmm. it's great. Love it. Mm-hmm. Again, I'm a huge animal lover. So obviously I loved little Sebastian. He's like, he just wants to say hi. And he's like, why is that rat waving? <laughs> like, it's just great. I fucking love it. Uh, <laughs> I I really love it because it was the hardest shift away from the Zack Snyder stuff you could have ever possibly done. Yeah, yeah, and I'm and it it shows that yeah, this stuff works. The Zack Snyder stuff doesn't work. <laughs> you know? yes. It also made me very happy that all the people that love the Zack Snyder stuff hate this movie so much, and that brings me such joy. Yeah, <laughs> it's just <laughs> it's such joy. I mean, uh, there's a specific person I think you know who I'm talking about, Josh. That. Uh, 
Is it me? <laughs> no, it's not you. It's it used to be a Valiant fan. Uh, now he's a huge, massive DC douchebag. <laughs> uh, you probably know who I'm talking about, but uh, he loves Zack Snyder so much that it makes me sick. But I don't hate Zack Snyder ites. I mean, I hate when they're rude and assholes about it, but I kind of get it a little bit. I don't feel it myself, but I kind of get it. They they like the opera of it. They like the overwrought, you know, yeah. honest, you know, I get it. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> ain't no, I just wish ain't it no was wrong. I just wish it was better written as the thing. <laughs> I mean, I've never seen any of it, so I don't know. Count but, uh, yourself lucky. <laughs> Josh, did you see Suicide Squad? Yes, I did. Did you enjoy it? I did. You know, it took me two nights to watch, so I may <laughs> not be as emphatic as everybody else. And oh, it's sure. basically, you know, it's just basically James Gunn, James Gunn in it on a straightaway, no speed bumps. Uh, and by speed bumps, I mean like emotional accountability or theme development or sure, really yeah, authentic yeah. character work. But it's but it was fun. You know, it was cool. Um, it's you know it's good I, I did wander off to play video games like i said you know and it took so it took me two times um uh i felt a little queasy uh watching an impoverished spanish speaking nation be put through this kind of disaster porn yeah yeah um that was a little rough yeah. for me i do but i mean i love i'm not disparaging disaster porn and i'm certainly not disparaging the fact that he stuck a kaiju in the middle in the at the end of his movie i loved that um yeah. stuff uh i thought that um you know the u.s foreign policy statements uh you know that also what's make me makes me feel so queasy about it is you know i lived through i came to consciousness in the 80s when our uh foreign policy in latin america is literally responsible for the death of hundreds of thousands if not millions of people so yeah it's a little tough for me to see him kind of make these la lazy anti-american sentiments in service to a kind of american appetite for cartoon violence you sure know what I mean? sure oh yeah yeah, yeah. It, the, and that and i think that applies to probably about half of the superhero films out there yes. right now yeah. yes yeah 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 and it gets a little bit just slightly just a little bit more weird when i'm when it's an impoverished spanish-speaking country for me just because of the, sure. our nation's history in that region uh, but but you know i get it that's kind of what he was trying to say um uh but look the death of Starro is pro possibly the best final baddie demise in any superhero movie I've ever seen. <laughs> so uh, yeah. it's it's wonderful. All that stuff's wonderful. So I'm on board. You know, people should see it. It's fun. I laughed. Yeah. I, I was high. You know. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. That's exactly. <laughs> Obviously, watch it goes movies. without saying. Yeah. Honestly, all everything I say goes without saying that I was high while watching these movies. <laughs> well, also we should take into account that James Gunn has even said that he's politically he is is he conservative he, he's, is, he, is independent like yeah he, he he's like won't commit to anything kind I of i get the vibe like that he's apolitical but he thinks it's kind of funny or whatever or he has to make a political statement i don't know i get a weird vibe from it all sure yeah. sure yeah. no totally yeah and I, I, I think those criticisms are are important and valid to point out and and that's the dissonance of this Right yes. is like yeah. Like uh, I can point out lots of issues with uh, mostly any superhero movie, but then at the end of the day, if it's fun for me, the reason that I picked up the comics as a kid was for the fun of it, and and that's what it's trying to incite, and that's the feeling that I'm running after. So Ab uh, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> and you can be, and you can, you you can. I mean, this is something you know. 
that I always want to talk about when we're discussing whether we like films or hate films or blah, blah, blah. We have an opinion because every asshole's got an opinion. But like ultimately, <laughs> you can hold two contradicting ideas in your hand at once. You can say this movie is ethically bankrupt. <laughs> and you can say, I had a blast at this movie. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, yep. that's totally, yeah. totally cool. We're complicated yeah, I mean, you, people. Not to, you know, to, not to, you know, jerk you off a bit, but thank you. You did write, you did write something like this with, uh, in Harbinger where, uh, Peter Stanchek wrecks the boat when he's fighting Harada in, I think it's issue like 24 or 25 of Harbinger. Well, I hope, and I don't and know. And all those people, all those people start drowning and he just doesn't yes. care. <laughs> yes. Well, I hope, and again, you know, I'm not the one to say whether this succeeded or not, but my hope is that the, you're not supposed to, my hope is that it's addressing that, that it's not mm -hmm. using it. You know, it's not exploiting the, the, the ethical implications of the situation. It's addressing the ethical implications of yeah. the situation. That's my hope. But who the fuck knows? <laughs> well, uh, Josh, it's your turn. What's your next uh, oh boy. suggestion? Oh my gosh. It's, I, are you sure it's already my turn? Yeah. I thought it was just my turn. Um, okay. I'm going to go. I'm going to go. I, again, once again, probably doesn't deserve to be in my top five. However, it's a movie that no one else is talking about, and I want to turn people on to it. It's Mad God by Phil Tippett. Yes. Oh, oh. God. Yes. Oh, have you guys have seen this? Amazing. Uh, oh, finally. it's so good. I'm so excited that we uh, that most of us saw a movie. Uh, I was about um, to say, I have not, unfortunately. What is this? I will. Oh, shh, don't my don't gosh. tell anybody, but I'll get you a file of it, Hope, if you want. But don't yep. tell anybody. But um, <laughs> uh, first Bill of all. Phil did the, uh, the stop motion animation of most of the films of the 1980s. He's a huge, um, huge science fiction guy. Uh, I mean, uh, I'm sorry, a, a visual effects guy. You know, I mean, we're talking about the guy who created the uh, visual effects for the first Jurassic Park mm -hmm. for, you know, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom for Robocop. I mean, this is a beast mm -hmm. of the visual effects genre. And he has for the last, I don't even, I think it's 30 years. I'm not entirely sure. He has been working on his own stop motion animated film, complete in camera effects. There's no, I, I don't believe there's any digital effects at all. Um, and, uh, and it's under, it's under, uh, two hours <laughs> i think it clocks in at like 80 minutes it's relatively short mm -hmm. and it and it's got absolutely no story you're gonna see people criticizing it being like they didn't have any story and they're right it did i didn't mean to make fun of you guys you're right but <laughs> um but as a world building exercise as a visual exploration of a concept in a universe it is unparalleled unparalleled it's layer upon layer upon layer of fallen and failed civilizations it's um uh it's 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 just horror worlds stacked up on top of one another unremitting apocalypse algebra it's just so fucking dark and amazing um there is this idea this idea of like every single living being in this world their struggle to just to be is so past the point of Sisyphean that they're, that suffering is is just par, you know that that they don't even their levels of suffering are so much in this universe that they're dispassionate about suffering in life. It's so dark and beautiful, and it's so amazingly designed, and it's got all kinds of incredible in camera effects, and um, it's just astounding. Uh, Phil Tippett's Mad God. It's one of my absolute 
favorite films of the year? Filmed over the course of 30 years? Yeah, he started working on this during RoboCop 2? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jesus yeah, Christ! I, I was about to say, the first second of like the trailer for it, it says, comes a nightmare 30 years in the making. I was like, yeah. wow. Yeah, it's it's oh, really, and it God. start the opening shot. I'm not spoiling anything because you really can't spoil it because it's just kind of a a sonic visual experience. But the opening shot is the Tower of Babel, and that and then the and then the, and then and then we I don't even know what happens next. I literally <laughs> don't know. I just I I just know that I I just was in awe. Uh, and you know uh, I experienced you know a really good movie like this puts you into couch lock. You know yeah. where you have to you have to pee. But you don't go pee because you're so locked into the moment. And then when it's over, you have to pee so bad that you can't pee anymore because it's kind of all seeped into your liver and shit, your urine. <laughs> that's, that's what this movie did to me. So, uh, to, to be clear, I haven't seen it. I just oh. uh, have been very excited for it since I heard the announcement that it would be coming out. I have not oh. watched. Yes, yes. Well, well you, know, we, 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 you know, talk to me later. I, uh, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I might hit you up Link for that later. Uh, <laughs> Link later can't take uh, the title for the longest film in production anymore. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Although I am a huge Boyhood fan, I do think that was such an amazing experiment. But yes. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, let's move on to. Oh, I might have oh. done that backwards. Uh, Jesse, oh, you're next. Yeah. <laughs> I knew oh, it. What Hope. <laughs> what was your thing? No. I knew you skipped people. Wait, I thought Jesse, you're supposed to go next. Was I? It's to go chaos. Next? Oh. Oh no! <laughs> Just okay, okay. I'll, I'll I'll do mine. Uh, so my last one. I just saw it on Saturday. Red Rocket. Red um, Rocket. Red Rocket, the new Sean Baker film. I loved it. It's, we love Sean Baker. Oh, it's so much fun. Like, uh, it's very much inspired by uh, the Bicycle Thief. Mm. Um, yeah, one of my favorite movies of all time. Mm -hmm. uh, basically, this out of work porn star returns home to. Uh, this crappy oil town in Texas. I don't even uh, want to hear this. Yeah. <laughs> Josh, you're a Texan, aren't you? I am a Texan. Yes. Uh, and so it's just it just shows like the decay of America and the fall of capitalism. Just Sean Bay I, I recently rewatched the Florida Project last night. Um, he knows how to show the underbelly, the underground economy of mm. America and how there's just this group of people that just can't get ahead. Mm. It just no matter what they do, they cannot get ahead. And if you've been in the porn industry for like twenty years, as I you have. have, no, uh, <laughs> you have no uh, work uh, references. You have no job skills, marketable you know, skills, marketable skills. Yeah. So this guy is trying to just get by and figure out a way to get back into the business, and he's a sleazy scumbag. And Simon Rex as the lead actor is perfectly cast. <laughs> this is. So well done. He is so good in this movie and has this weird kind of like pop vibe to it. Huh. But it's, it's, it, they, they use the song, um, that NSYNC song that's in the trailer for the film. That is literally a, a motif throughout the film. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's a motif throughout the entire film. And it's, it's, there's a, some questionable stuff. Cause I actually saw this as a double feature with, um, uh, licorice pizza. I watched that first and then I did red rocket right afterwards. Mm. Both of these movies include uh, underage relationships, and it's a little weird. Yeah. Interesting. A, Somebody's dogs don't like it. <laughs> yeah. The, well, in uh, in Red Rocket, the main character falls in love with a in love, quote unquote, with uh, a seventeen year old. 
Uh, it, Josh, is the rule in Texas that 17 is legal age? I do not know, sir. That is uh, not something I've invested in. I, I, they try to declare that in the movie, and I'm thinking, I, I think that's it, bullshit. It, it no, I know true. Maryland it is true. the legal age of consent, and Maryland is 16. It, it's called the uh, the Jeez. Juliet Law in Texas, and I only know this because they did the same thing in that fucking Transformers movie to oh, make the excuse God. for the girl to be seventeen oh, and dating no. this adult man. They, like they they committed a whole scene to it in Transformers. That's oh, the only God. reason I know. Oh Christ! My daughters are over seventeen, so I don't give a shit. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, obviously, I I care about people. Uh, strangers that i don't know and i want them to be safe i didn't mean i didn't yeah. give a shit but i i obviously have clued in less to it once my daughters were over 20 i was like okay you're on your own now figure it out yeah don't do anything stupid handling yeah. your own shit yeah exactly <laughs> yeah but yeah it's uh it's a fantastic movie it was made for like a million dollars it's there there's some there's uh, some weird zooms throughout the film um that i didn't really care for and the ending is a bit kind of like Huh? <laughs> um, but overall, it's I wouldn't say it's better than Florida Project. It's still that one's still probably the top one for me. But this is just below that. So interesting. Nice. I'm excited to see it. I really love him. I think Tangerine is a groundbreaking movie. I love yeah. Florida Project. I've seen people just to kind of play devil's advocate. I'm a huge fan, but I have seen people attack him for kind of uh, you know whatever uh, like. Um, poverty porn or something or like sex worker kind of you know but I, well, somebody's I gotta film it you know I, I mean i think he's got a i think he's got a true and sincere heart and i think it i think his i don't think that he mocks or or diminishes the 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 people the characters the places that he explores and uh and i like yeah. that he makes things for super low budget man i love it yeah yeah if he he would be diminishing it if it was filmed on like a 50, 60, 70 million dollar budget and it's like, oh yeah, it's about poverty, but it's like Yeah, right, right. just dumped a ton of money into it. Right. Yeah, exactly. So. Yeah, I dig it, man. I do. Yeah. All right, Hope, how about you? What do you got next? Uh, so I guess my last pick would be it, it's a bit of an obscure one, I would say, but um since you guys talked about some of my other favorites already, but another film I truly did like, it's uh, called Shiva Baby. Hmm. Oh, yeah, I saw that. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I know, you know, for people who do listen to the rest of our podcasts and everything, Jesse, Seth and I, we all talk about how we do love films like just sit down and talk. Mm-hmm. And this is what this movie is. It's just nothing but interactions and talking. There's no action. There's no nothing. And it's. It's so awkward at times, too, and it just, you feel like you're placed in this moment. It's based around, obviously, Shiva Baby, it's based around this uh, Jewish family, and they're all attending a funeral. And the main character, she is like a college dropout and she has like the sugar daddy and then she ends up meeting up with the sugar daddy at the funeral. And it's this whole chaos between family and romance and it's it's just a whirlwind of if it can go wrong, it will go wrong. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and again, I just I love it because it is just dialogue driven. And you don't see too, too much of that anymore, sadly enough. So anything I can do- see that's dialogue-driven is great. And again, it, it does fall into so many different categories. It does 
LG, like LGBT. Blah, I cannot speak. Holy shit! <laughs> you know, you know that work is looming. You're like, oh, <laughs> it is like the oh, gotta love night shift, guys. Uh, <laughs> so, like, it it delves into relationships. It delves into religion. It delves into you know life crisis crises and like work and what you want to do versus what's expected of you and it, and also I mean that yeah there's going to be your stereotypical Jewish you know banter going on in the film but it it is what it is for when you have a film like that but I I just I found it really cute I really liked it I would totally watch it again again it was it was just a lot of fun to watch <laughs> Yes. I haven't even heard of this one, so I'm I'm interested to check it out. Yeah, I believe it is on uh, HBO still. Oh hell so yeah! You should be able to see it on there because um, that's how I originally saw it. So <laughs> very nice. Uh, well, awesome. uh, let's let's uh, rotate over to Josh. I guess is this your final pick? Are we, are we there yet? It is. It oh, is my yeah. final pick, if you're ready. I'm ready. Uh, are you ready? <laughs> um, okay. This was definitely my favorite film of the year. Julia Takarno's Titane. Um, <laughs> that, oh, um, yes. I saw Titane. Okay. Yep. Awesome. Good, good, yep. good, 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 good. Okay. So I this is. Mixed feelings. <laughs> that's all right. That's all right. I, 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 you know, that's fine. Bring it on. I love it. But here's what I'm going to say. Are you ready? I'm gonna I'm gonna dazzle your ass, and then what are you gonna do with your mixed feelings? Then, okay, mm-hmm. uh, this this is JG <laughs> <laughs> this is JG Ballard reborn for our gender transitory moment. That's what this is. It's not body horror. It's body awakening. Like it is a rage against the limitations of the body. It's mm. an extra- I mean, it, I mean, in this movie, she like. She hammers and hardens and represses and exploits and fucks and loves and murders and dreams all about having a new physical being while she's like pregnant with something that I, I you know, I won't talk about the, because it's because it's crazy. <laughs> but the whole thing is just a celebration of the ensuing body of a future idea of the body. And it's so <laughs> emotional and and so like. Um, I just, I just really, really loved it. And Agathe, uh, I'm probably going to mispronounce this. Forgive me, French speakers. Agathe Roussel, Agathe Roussel, uh, the actress. Um, I will watch everything she's in until the day I die now. I'm going to start a church. I'm going to start a church to this actress. She can walk on me. I'll lay on the ground and she can walk on me. I don't care. Like, I, I just, um, I was, I, 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 f- I felt it was easily the most inhabited performance of the year for me. I couldn't stop watching her. Um, I, I was completely mesmerized. I should also say this is the first film I saw in the theater in two years. Uh, my last film before the pandemic shut up, shut the world down was Kelly Ricard's First Cow. Wow. My f- my my first film back was Titane, and I was I'm I was not ready to I'm still not ready to go into the public. And I checked the seating chart, and there was only wow. six people in this great big theater. So I said, okay, I'll go for it. And of six people. Two people walked out of the movie, and uh, and all wow. I could think, and 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 you know, and you know what? To, again, I know I said this before. To each their own cinema, right? If mm-hmm. you're not feeling it, get the fuck out. I, 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 no judgment. 
however, I'm so excited that my first movie back caused people to walk out of the theater. Like that is like so on brand for me. But <laughs> that's um, a win. Yeah. Anyway, it's a huge win. And um, you know, I had seen her previous film, uh, uh, Raw. The um, Raw. Yeah. Yeah. And and I, I just didn't. I didn't. I wasn't that impressed by it. I didn't think it went hard enough. I thought the concept of uh, vagina dentata uh, uh, was really interesting, and I wanted to to see it be a little bit more intense. But this movie, her 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 follow up is a scorched earth attack on story and cinema. She does not give a fuck. She's totally totally destroying any notion of I don't know structure character development. None of that matters, man. You know, and 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 she's really really just. It's just pure, pure cinema. And the last thing I'll say about it is I, that very same day, I saw Georges Franjou's Eyes Without a Face, you know, this the classic um, French horror film from back in the day. And um, yes. Yeah, I yes. love that. And maybe it's because I saw them so close together and I'm just projecting like similar themes on them, but they felt very in dialogue with one another. They're, they are about identity shifting and complicated ephemeral sexualized father-daughter dynamics and the idea, again, of the transformative body. And I just I just fucking loved it, man. I just loved it. And I'm just so horny for that actress, too. So, you know, it's great. It's my favorite film. That's it. That's all I have to say. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jesse and Hope, did you guys see it as well? I did. I watched it at home. Uh, I have mixed feelings. Uh, <laughs> kind of the because you are I weak. Feel... No, I'm just kidding. I'm <laughs> I, just kidding. Obviously, I, I I feel like the film kind of is just meandering in some ways. <laughs> that was something that kind of bugged me a bit. Um, I didn't mind the content. The content, I'm like, yeah, I, I do agree. It's like a J.G. Ballard story. I, mm-hmm. This feels like a Cronenberg film, not directed by Cronenberg. <laughs> The um, new flesh, baby, and that's that's that, that's not to disparage the current director, um, but it's it does feel like the movie. I I didn't have anybody to really. It, it was hard for me to relate to anybody mm. or even feel any kind of connection to anybody. Oh, because I because I, I just I because the problem with the lead the lead character is that. Not to spoil anything, I'll give this one thing away. She's a serial killer, <laughs> and so like when this horrible thing starts happening to her, of I'm terrible like, men, she kills terrible like, men. Not that they deserve to die. That's not what I'm saying. But I just wanted well, to. Well, no, that she texture. kills like she kills like the people that are in that house, and they weren't bad people. Yeah, I mean, how do we know? <laughs> no, you're right. That's a shallow defense. Shallow defense. I'm with you. Keep going. Keep going. <laughs> but yeah, it, it just it I just didn't feel enough connection to that person and i i think it's a good looking movie it looks amazing it's great cinematography it's uh the movie is marketed like a fast and furious movie and i'm like why <laughs> like this is nothing like that um it's like six but, movies by the way that's yeah, the it's other like thing. six movies which kind of might stand speak, together. yeah which might speak to what you're talking about where it feels meandering because it's so many different things but that's yeah. exactly what i loved about it because mm, i'm so right. you know as somebody who makes a living telling stories i I'm, i feel oppressed by people's expectations of what a story is supposed to be so you know that's mm-hmm. that's so i really enjoy when someone has more courage than me and 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 tells a story that it basically is just like fuck fuck you you know fuck you i don't care i love that <laughs> yeah i love that 
Yeah, I, I meant to give it another watch. Maybe I just wasn't in the right headspace to watch it at the time. But I'm, no, no, I'm don't, don't back again. down. Maybe it'll grow on me. But right now, I, I do. I think it's a good film. Maybe it's not just the film for me at this moment. Mm. So, don't back That's down all. from your opinion. Don't back down. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Hope, did you see it as well? I did not. I wanted to see it. It's it's one of those that's on my list, but I've Jesse's talked about it with me, so it's like there's definitely parts I feel like I have seen because he's talked about it with me. But it, I would like to see it in you know in entirety because it, it sounds like something up my alley. It really does. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm I'm very interested to check it out. Yeah. I thought that Lamb was going to be on my list this year, and I saw it with Hope. That was a disappointment. Like, I was like, eh, I'm not feeling this. It, it was it was cute. Like it it worked for it's good for what looking. it does. It's an amazing looking movie. Yeah. Um. <laughs> I just didn't care. Is the problem? <laughs> well, I I well I kind of did like a mini fix of it because I'm like it just needs to be a trilogy because there's three different movies in one and if they yeah. like split it up then it would be fantastic see I I, yeah. I I wasn't expecting the Tekken character to show up at the end and I was like what the <laughs> fuck is the last five that's minutes that's what I'm saying that's what I'm saying that, he, he needs his own movie yeah. he needs his own damn movie shotgun sheep man I'd watch it oh god um, it sounds well, amazing. You're totally selling me on this. It, it is. It is one uh, shot of the film, Josh. Don't don't overestimate uh, what I'm talking about. <laughs> it's here. not much. It's not much. Yeah. Should we do our most hated or disappointing movies this year? Um. Yeah. Like. Yeah. We could just just shot just shotgun them off. Uh. Sure. Well. Let me let me let me round out my my final one then. Uh. Before we jump over there. Um. Because I know uh, Hope has to bounce probably shortly. Yeah. As yeah. Well. Yeah. But um. Yeah. So I was gonna make. And I also did no particular order, so I I, I saved this one for last because I know probably half of our audience is going to close out of the podcast now. Um, (laughs) This this was going to go to the Eternals because I fully dug the Eternals. Uh, It was everything that I could have wanted Chloe Zhao to do with that material and um, really, really spoke to me. However, there was a more interesting movie that has stuck with me more this year. Mm. And that's Zack Snyder's Justice League. Um, oh, nice. Now, now <laughs> before we all hit the X's in our browsers or close out of the app in our You're phone. Fired! I love you, Seth. I love well, you. Well, by God, to get going, Seth. <laughs> um, I, the, the Fuck reason those people, that, Seth. The, the reason it is stuck Don't, with just... me is, is this, it is so starkly different than the studio version that we got in theaters with, uh, you know, the Joss Whedon cut or the Justice League, as people are calling it. Um, and 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 it it I think the reason it stuck with me is you know doing all these podcasts about superhero movies, we talk about the 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 corporate machine of this often, right? But it, it's it's always been kind of like this ambiguous thing in the background that like it pokes through in some scenes in movies but you can never nail it down it's like this slimy little bastard right but then we get justice league and then we get Zack snyder's justice league and suddenly this like slimy little bastards out in the sunlight and we get to pick through all of it and we get to nice. go through frame by frame and go like what the fuck were they thinking here because nice. when, you, when you compare it to Zack snyder's vision hey yeah the story's a little 
lopsided and character development is not a thing that he cares about and you know it, it's a, this four hour gorgeous mess of a movie but it's a vision like and and what we were uh, Josh what you were saying earlier like I get the Zack Snyder cult I'm not in it because mm-hmm. I don't yeah. tend to enjoy his movies but yeah, I get too. the appeal yeah. and yeah. just this insane experiment dropping this year of like oh yeah no there's there's such thing as a hidden better movie. Let's show you what it looks like. And just looking at these side by side, 2021 is the year that we got to see what it looks like when a studio makes a movie without a director and what it looks like when a director makes a movie with, you know, a studio that believes in him. And that and it's the same studio in both cases, which is the craziest part. But it I, is a super interesting formal study. Like yeah. it is. I'm, I'm 100 percent on your on your page. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Just uh, uh, the the one thing I would point out, if you compare the the Aquaman Batman conversation from the beginning in the Justice League Joss Whedon version versus the uh, Zack Snyder version, the shots, the CGI, the lighting, the tone, the just it, it when you compare those side by side, you're like, did somebody try to do like a fan version of the Justice League? Mm. And and it mm. just. It's so shocking that it, it, I've I've thought about it so much this year, and um, my mother, uh, who knows that I love these kinds of movies, got me the uh, the 4K version <laughs> for Christmas. Nice. So. Or no, Look, no, I mean, uh, sentiment was there. Yeah, 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 uh, and 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 I like it. I I do genuinely like Zack Snyder's Justice League uh, for all of its problems, and it has a a, a bunch. I I do genuinely like a lot that's in it. So. It made and my look, list. you know, you know, Joss Whedon is not a filmmaker, and no matter what we think of Zack Snyder, he is. He is. He yeah. he yeah. he has a vision. He, it's a unique yeah. vision. He he can craft a film. He can make interesting juxtapositions from image to image. He's not my bag, but you know, but Joss Whedon can't really do any of that. Nope. <laughs> like, you know, he doesn't have it nope. in his toolbox. So yeah, especially not you. now that he's been completely fired right. since everyone right. took the toolbox away. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Um so yeah, I I'm uh that that's that's my list. That's our lists. Um there was some that we we didn't get to hit, but you know, there's somebody uh, we nobody mentioned the Green Knight. I was kind of shocked by that. It was on my list, but it wasn't as high as some of the others. Uh if you're just going for like 5 or 6, it's it's probably in like it's probably like number 9 or 10. Yeah, me, yeah, so. same as where yeah. yeah, but um It's in a list. It's just not in the top of the list. Well, um, let's let's finish this up, and then we can do a little stinger episode uh, after Hope exits. Hope, if you have a, a least liked film, shout it out now. <laughs> Cruella sucked. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I I haven't watched it, and uh, I don't plan on it. So, no. I took the bullet for you. Don't worry. <laughs> I appreciate <laughs> that. I and that's what I appreciate about you. Why does she hate? Why does she hate Dalmatians? One of them bit her as a kid. Oh, that's how character development works. Oh, shut the fuck up. <laughs> it wasn't, she She wasn't even bit. It, it was this whole thing, like, the Dalmatians weren't even, like, oh, yeah, yeah. Dalmatians killed but, her mother. Yeah. <laughs> but it wasn't even Dalmatians. It was the fact that it was the, it was the bitch. It was another woman. And it, so it's like, and the, it's like saying, well, oh, the gun killed my mom, so I hate guns. It's like, no, it's the guy who pointed the gun. Wait, but whatever. Are like, you, I was joking. Did Dalmatians kill her mother? Yeah. <laughs> no. Yes. Uh-huh. I could throw something right now. <laughs> <laughs> mm. 
Thank you, Disney. Damn. Uh, okay. I, I didn't. I didn't see it, but uh, the costume designs looked really, really wonderful. Oh yeah. 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 Just to say something. If anything nice. else, you can always praise like Disney's production design and their costume department. Oh yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. So. But uh, yeah, but I didn't see it. I think uh, I think that's it for our best of 2021. What a great year for movies! Um, I'm mm-hmm. just so so pleasantly surprised that you know even in the middle of a, a pandemic that you know so many of these got to go to streaming. I, I think the only ones that I saw in theaters was No Way Home, Green Knight, and Zola. Nice. Yeah. Wow. So wow. That's crazy. Um, thank you all for being here. Uh, Hope, Jesse, Josh, thank you all for your suggestions. Um, this is a this is a great list. Anybody that's been listening has a, a lot of homework if they haven't seen any of these. Yeah. This was a very good year for film. <laughs> Josh threw out some stuff I definitely need to see. <laughs> nice. Uh, this was super fun. I always enjoy being on here with you guys. It's wonderful to meet you, Hope. Um, at least, you know, in my ears. Yes. Um, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah, super awesome. Wonderful. Well, Josh, I'll let you start us out with our shout out to uh, you're in uh, coming to the end of a comic book run right now, I believe. And you have some social yes. media you can shout out. Uh, yeah, that's right. So um, I had a weekly book coming out throughout December called Odin's Eye with art by Tomas Girello, who's a genius and uh, really proud of it. The last issue dropped today. It's funny that we were discussing, uh, Jesse and I having a good time discussing um, uh, unorthodox structuralism in narrative because um, mm-hmm. I I have an in my my story is not what I promised the readers and when I was writing <laughs> there is it, no structure to the story at all and when I was writing it I was so excited and I felt like a genius and now that it dropped today I'm really nervous and scared so that's part of what it means to put narrative out into the world and to expose yourself like this uh, it's still exactly what I wanted it to be and I guess if people don't get it or don't like it or don't understand understand what my hidden agenda was then that's cool but um it's out there and it looks gorgeous so um so there's that and i'm really proud of it and my novel um called brood x drops in march Ooh. it was supposed to drop today but i guess it got pushed and uh that's a um a horror thriller novella really only about only 100 pages i'm really excited about that and uh i don't think i have anything that's else that's ready to announce yet though i have a lot of projects being put together so that's me. Wonderful. And then uh, if anybody wants to follow you on social media, what's your handle? Uh, so I mostly spend too much time on Twitter. Uh, and you can technically find me on Facebook, but I'm very rarely there except to promote. So Twitter is the place. And my handle is just, uh, well, Joshua Dysart, I think. Yep. I think. Yep, that's it. Put that in. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, cool. I'm looking at it right now. Uh, Hope, nice. Hope, how about you? What do you have? Uh, I just hosts these lovely podcasts with both uh, you, Seth, and Jesse. We do a couple of different ones. Um, I know we're going to be recording for some very soon. We also got some new projects on the horizon, Mm -hmm. which I'm very much looking forward to. Um, But yeah, if you just want to chat me up, uh, you can hit me up on any social media as biohazard underscore Leia. And I'm, again, I'm the proclaimed horror whore of the group. (laughs) Nice. Love it. And Jesse, round us out here. Uh, well, I'm also on Film Rescue Show and uh, Split the Difference. We just did Funny Games, which was a really fun episode. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, oh, cool. man. I, I will never get those images out of my brain. <laughs> um, 
Uh, and if you want to get in touch with me, uh, find me on Twitter at Hardcore B-Shot. Wonderful. And you can check me out at Seth X Decker on all the shows they just listed, plus the Film Rescue Show, where we take uh, movie pitches and, and redo them in, in our own way. Uh, good movies, bad movies, all around. We, we love to talk about them. That's it for this episode. Again, thank all three of you for being here. You guys, uh, what great picks. I have so much stuff to go back and watch now in 2022, while I also watch the 2022 <laughs> movies coming out. Double homework. Right. That's right. Uh, and with that, thank you so much for listening. If you didn't leave after the Zack Snyder thing, I'm sorry again. Good night. <laughs> Good night. Good night. <laughs>